Well, sounds good. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! everybody scott here just popping by to say as many of you probably know it's our 10th anniversary later this year so we've got a lot of sort of special episodes lined up um but there's one that we recorded i think about two or three summers ago just after lockdown and my dear friend anthony from the glass onion podcast amongst others popped over because he wanted to watch jaws which is one of his and my favorite movies and also to do a commentary track. Well, this is the result of that afternoon's recording. Uh, you can watch along with it. You know, you can pop the old DVD or the Blu-ray in and watch the movie as we do the commentary. It's not actually necessary if you're familiar with the film, because you'll recognise exactly the scenes we're talking about as we go through. Um, just thought we'd pop this in as part of the birthday celebration. So if you're interested, here's our Jaws commentary. More birthday stuff on the way with Paul, with Charlie and the host of special guests and fellow podcasters throughout the year. But in the meantime, take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Take care, guys. See you soon. Hello, my name is Anthony Rutuno, and I'm with my good friend, Scott Phipps. We're both film podcasters and huge fans of this film, Jaws, and this is our unofficial audio commentary for the film. Now, this is audio only, but you'll be able to hear the film in the background, but if you'd like to follow along, we're using the standard Blu-ray, two hours, four minutes version of it, and if you'd like to follow it on your screens, you should see the Universal logo now. So, Scott, I think this is a film that's burned into our consciousness, right? Certainly mine, mate. Um, (laughs) It's one of those I've lost count. I really could not tell you how many times um, I've seen it. I was of the age that I could have just seen it at the cinema. I think I was six when it came out, but didn't. Um, And I was one of that massive ITV audience that saw it on the the network premiere in the early 80s. Wow, yeah. It actually came out two months before I was born, which is even more of a kinship. And uh, a little trivia about my uh, about my parents. Yeah. Uh, they went to see a lot of classic films in the day. And they, they went to see this film, but unfortunately they were 20 minutes late. So they missed... Oh, the, they missed the great opening. They missed the iconic scene. So here we've got the music here. I think iconic isn't even the word, really, is it? Um, Not for this. I mean, John Williams and Spielberg just go together hand in hand, don't they? They always so, have done. Hard to It's hard to imagine this film without this music. Uh, I'm sure yeah. people have done things where they've added other music but uh so we're coming in here to the beach scene um mainly a cast of locals wasn't it i think for this absolutely yeah and it works so well because it's authentic the couple having a good time i did uh, as a guitarist 
almost obligatory. I did learn that guitar that he's playing there. <laughs> I couldn't help it, you know. Well, um, the, the completest in you. Is that what absolutely, it is? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there we go. Reference to Peter Benchley, the novel. The, the novel was massive mm. at the time, as I said to you off air, mate. You know, I remember that just being in everybody's house. Mm. That novel, um, and we just laughed about it earlier, didn't we? Saying it is actually just a piece of pulp trash at the end of the day. Really, it's not particularly yeah. a good novel. I'd, I'd sort of say now with fresh yeah. eyes. And the choices they made, changing the story, it just works perfectly. We're going to yeah. try not to gush too much, really, <laughs> but uh, it's hard not to. Like I say, it's a, such a personal thing. I'm watching the Blu-ray for the first time in my life, and this is a wholly really? different experience. So you've seen it on your... a smaller screen, not HD? Absolutely, yeah. I'm watching it on your wonderful TV here. Oh, well, perhaps, you the perhaps you might not speak too much at all then, mate. It might be up to me to <laughs> carry on with it. <laughs> Is this scene pretty much the same in the book? I guess we see more of the shark in the book, or not see, but, you know. It starts off with the shark in the book, doesn't it? It says oh, yeah. the white fish swimming through the water. And mm. I'm sure it is. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the book, I'll be honest, but I like that opening bit because it makes the point. Because <laughs> uh, I think we'll come on to the sequels later, but in Jaws 4, there's a ridiculous idea that the shark's actually got a vendetta. Oh, yeah, against, against the whole family. The yeah. Actually travels from USA all the way to the Caribbean <laughs> to uh, to kill Alan Brody and uh, Michael Caine, yeah. by the way. Could happen. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah. Um, did they film this at night, do we know? I'm thinking this is Twilight, isn't it? It's the, yeah. that magic hour, whatever they call it, at dusk. Yeah. Um, as, as we go through the film, we're going to be mentioning a lot of this was more luck than anything as well, some of these scenes, Absolutely. because it was all filmed while they're waiting for the shark to be, you know, working. Yeah, as Spielberg has said many times, the fact the shark didn't work added $100 million to the revenue for the <laughs> film, you know. Uh, we've got Susan Baclini here as Christine Watkins, and Jaws Aficionados will know the story of this, where she gets... They had something like ropes attached to her and they were pulling her... Backwards and forwards, weren't they? Absolutely. So you get... I mean, she's obviously she's still acting, but you get a fairly genuine reaction. He nearly sort of broke... Well, he did, didn't he break a rib or something? He done think, some damage, didn't he? I'm I think sure. that might be a myth. I don't oh, know. I think right. it's a bit contentious, possibly. But uh, here we go. So, as I said, the whole thing about not seeing the shark. And... Um, it just adds to it. It really does add to it. Yeah, and that music. I guess it became a cliche, didn't it, about going in the ocean? But I tell you, I'd, <laughs> I'd be terrified going in the ocean in the dark, even now. Yeah, this is the thing. It, it just, mm. it, you know, one of the taglines, wasn't it? You know, about being afraid to go in the water. Yeah. What do you call that tower thing in the background? That's a boy, isn't it? Oh, boy, right, mm. yeah. That adds to it as well, just the sound of that. Mm. So that's sort of seaside thing. Yeah, I can, can imagine having a fairly massive reaction to that. Because I think in the old days, people used to react much more in the cinema. I don't know, I haven't been to cinema. I don't go much anymore, but... Um, yeah, I mean, this is probably a story for another time, but I will mm. tell you about the time I saw Jurassic Park in the cinema. Mm. And it was just incredible. So similar sort of reaction to people, you know, seeing this for the first time. Mm. I'd have guessed. I don't know if it's something to do with our society, but maybe people are more reserved. But I can't imagine people applauding in the cinema and stuff anymore. <laughs> so we've got Lorraine Gary as Alan Brody. 
Um, I think they had an extension of this scene where you get a bit more of the sort of family drama. I think that was the theme, really. Yeah. The deleted scenes tend to to have more drama in them. Which it gives more of the really background, new. doesn't it, I think, of why they left New York and came to Amity. Exactly. And... Now, Scott, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's a, a theory, not that Brody's the same person, but that he could almost be his character from French Connection transplanted to Amity. Really? That makes... Well, yeah, if they've moved, moved on, yeah. I mean, not that that was the intention, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because he, he's playing someone quite different here. I mean, I think Roy Scheider's fantastic. I mean, he, yes. he's clue, he was in French Connection, Marathon Man. That's it, Marathon Man, one of, another of our favourite movies, mate. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think the thing with this film, it, it, it moves quickly. It doesn't labour anything, really. Spielberg's not afraid in scenes like this to have two lots of dialogue going on as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't know where to focus your your ear your ear at this particular point, but mm. you just it, it makes it more realistic because that's what a family household is like. There's always something going on in the background, mm, hustle and bustle. Yeah, and you can see there the sea. So the the sea is kind of ever present. It's you know. an island. It's an island. Yeah. It's only an island if you look at it from the water, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, brilliantly done. Verda Fields, of course, won an Oscar. But yes, I think um, is it Thelma Schoonmaker, Scorsese's editor. Yeah, says that directors are often very, very involved in the editing. And when she won an Oscar for Raging Bull, I guess it was, she said, "I really owe this a lot of this to to Scorsese." There you go. Yeah, yeah. So a nice sleepy town. So he's moved. We know that Brody's moved from New York. He references it later, you know, with problems in New York. That's it, yeah, yeah. As I say, there might have been some more in those deleted scenes or mm. original script or whatever. Mm. Fourth of July. Again, the deleted scene was longer here, wasn't it? I think there's an alternate take of this scene. Yeah. But that young fellow, I think, is a local as well. Yes. A, I think the deleted scene had him sort of doing a bit more acting which didn't mm. necessarily work like nothing against him but <laughs> you know you get the realism like you said that almost like a non-acting yeah but uh actually i think he was a local actor i watched that uh we should quickly plug that wonderful film documentary by jamie oh Jenny. superb superb oh, you can it. find a copy of it we found it on vimeo yeah. um and it is two two hours plus um we'll talk about documentaries towards the end if we get some time but sure. that is exceptional piece of um yeah. well it's a bit of fan made documentary as well isn't it which is mm. you know remarkable it's a little bit like what we're doing now but it's got the video element as well yeah um now what's your opinion does that look realistic i mean obviously i think yes. arranging the crabs around it was a fantastic idea i mean can you imagine me i was oh, i don't know 10 years old when i first saw this mm. and to me it's a horror film it was a horror film at sure. that point well, if I can get a bit nostalgic, in the days before video recorders, mm. we used to get the Radio Times or the TV Times every week, obviously. Yeah. And then every two or three years, you'd see Jaws, and I would just, like, be That's doing the, somersaults. Yeah. And going, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like this woman here. She's a local... I'm not sure if she was an actress, but then you get this wonderful thing of her kind of nagging him. So you get that, you get that slight comedic element which runs through the whole film, you know? 
you get a real sense of this is quite a small town police department where nothing really happens apart from on the 4th of July when the off-islanders turn up. Exactly. It's just summed it up perfectly in these couple of scenes. Yeah, so he's gone from New York, where it's just like one big headache to nothing happening. But then we get the excitement. Yeah, here we go. Because as she just said earlier, you know the the biggest period of concern that's going on is that the picket fences are being karate chopped by the local kids. That's it. Uh, There's a little uh, error there that said coroner's office instead of coroner's office. (laughs) I love bloopers because I don't think they take away from the film at all. I just like. You know, like the old thing about there's someone in Gladiator wearing jeans and <laughs> Ben Hur's, there's someone the wearing wristwatch. a wristwatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There aren't any major bloopers in this, though, are there? Uh, there's a couple, yeah. There's nothing that really detracts, because the whole point is that you're in the story, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have to suspend disbelief, because, you know, if you're in a cinema, you know, it's not actually mm-hmm. a shark. It's <laughs> now... We're going to start meeting sort of local townsfolk and local dignitaries as it goes along in a second. Mm. And if I remember rightly from the book, it, that was really sort of hammered home, was the sort of politics going on in the background in the book. Um, yeah. And his, uh, Brody's constant battle with the bureaucracy that was going on, him being a stranger in the town. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was that whole mafia element, wasn't there? Mm. So Vaughan was actually being pressured by the mafia. And, I mean, it's a good idea. I mean, I like those kind of things, but like you said, it was just a bit pulpy. I mean, R.I.P. Peter Benchley, but I wasn't hugely impressed by the novel. Yeah. I think he did a great job. I think Jeffrey Kramer was another local. I'm not sure if he was an actor or not, but... He reappears in the second one, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Yeah, because yeah. he takes over his job, doesn't he, when Brody gets sacked, yeah. I think he's great. He's got that... Bit of a wide-eyed kind of innocence about him. Yeah, perfect for the role, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Chief. Chief Mr. Vaughan with his anchor. <laughs> now, that is a great suit. I mean, that would be a yeah. great fancy dress to go as. If some, if you said you were going as a character from a movie and you turned up in that, only you and I would probably recognise it, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> uh, I knew Murray Hamilton from The Graduate, Mr. Robinson. Exactly. I, guess, I was I just about to point that out. That's where people would have known him from. Yeah. I bet he's done dozens of other ones. What are those... Very, very reliable character actors. Yeah. Now, here again, we had a longer deleted scene, uh, fleshing out a bit more, you know, you're the new guy and everything, as you were saying, but this film is just very lean. I suppose that's the word for it. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the right there, we've got Carl Gottlieb in the light blue suit playing Meadows, who very generously reduced his role almost down to nothing, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, that, there's, there's a book sitting down there to the left of you, which he wrote, The Jaws Log. Brilliant. Which is almost the Bible of, of mm. this movie, isn't it, to, to fans? Mm. But Carl Gottlieb's great. He's done yeah. loads of interviews over the years. And yeah. He was a big help with the script, I think. And it's great, because if you look at these guys in the background, you recognise them later at town hall meetings or on the beach. You know, that the guy with the red tie, he's on the beach later. Oh, he's the one that gets dragged out of the water, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't noticed that, yeah. I've got to say, seeing this on Blu-ray is a very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seeing it for the first time. They look like It's so clear they look like they've been superimposed on Yeah, it, sometimes you know? it looks unreal, doesn't it? Yeah. It's something that's too HD. Yeah, but it's a different experience. So quite a famous line here about the Barracuda. Was Carl Gottlieb an actor, do we know? Or was he, or was he a writer? Wasn't he a scriptwriter? 
I think he's a writer primarily. Yeah. He was a comedy writer, in mm. fact, and so he may well have been responsible for a lot of the that extra element of comedy. Which is very evident throughout this, actually. Some very great lines, especially between Dreyfus and Shaw. Absolutely, yeah. We'll get to that later, but obviously a lot of that was real, wasn't it? Yes, I did a lot of tension. Yeah, and here we we get to a very shocking... (laughs) It's our first beach scene, yeah. Yeah. There are certain scenes in this movie that I remember that were used constantly to promote the movie. Hmm. Uh, and the people fleeing the beach was was always one of them. Always saw it in the trailers of the TV spots. Well, I remember when we were kids, we would always, we were, you know, you reenact stuff. We were always like, get out of the water. <laughs> we were always saying that. <laughs> uh, so just, you've got Brody there, and then, again, we've got this woman telling Ellen, you know, you're not an islander. The dog... Now, isn't there a connection between yellow in this as well? Somebody had a theory, like there's a... The Pippet's owner's wearing a yellow polo shirt. Oh. Mrs. Kittner's wearing a yellow hat. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think it is. I mean, the barrels are obviously yellow later mm. in the movie and that. Is that a yellow top to that lilo there? Yeah. I noticed Spielberg said he didn't use any red. There's a little bit of red there because he wanted the red to just be the blood and nothing exactly, yeah. Um, interesting thing here, you've got the, the bathers going across. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's getting closer to the camera. Because he cuts and he gets closer and closer. And it's this wonderful, famous shot, isn't it, where they focus in and then pull the camera back. And, yeah. yeah. I can't pretend I know how that was done. but It's something about zooming in and then dollying out. I mean, dolly, yeah. Something and Hitchcock like used it, and Spielberg's obviously used it here. It's this is probably the most famous use of it I think yeah just in case there's people who don't know the film too well when it gets to it we'll, we'll highlight yeah. it yeah nice kind of uh, red herring here but it's like that throughout because you're on edge throughout this whole movie the first time you watch it yeah because you don't know when the next shark attack's going to happen if there is going to be another shark attack mm. so you're equally on edge as, as, as Brody is throughout this mm. I love the chemistry between these two yeah. I mean, I know the cynics would say, you know, she was the, the wife of the president of the company. But she, I think she's, <laughs> no, but I think she's just genuinely great. They've got this domestic. And the thing about this film, you don't need a lot of information. It's all there. You know, they have a good relationship, but, you yeah. know, with the usual tensions oh. of any. And then a bit of light relief here. Some bad hat, Harry. <laughs> Somebody used that as the name of their production company. I can't think who it is. It's Bad Hat <laughs> Harry Productions, yeah. <laughs> See, this is his first summer. You know, you're getting the feeling that the pressure's on him. Mm. He doesn't know. It's, it's an unknown situation completely for him, as well as everything else he's had to contend with, you know, upending his family and moving them across country and just everything that goes with it. And he's got this possible shark attack. Yeah. So is the shark supposed to have eaten the dog then? Well, that's the um, the is piece of wood that's being thrown. Oh yeah, of course. Is that what? Sharks? And we never see the dog again. I don't think you see the dog in in the the bit where everybody runs to the shore. Oh yeah, I suppose sharks are, sharks will eat anything almost, will they? They can't <laughs> they can't ever or something. Yeah. And then again, it whoa! This is genuinely shocking. I'm just gonna have to double check on that because it's a. Uh, an unwritten rule in disaster movies that the dog never dies. Oh, right. 
And there we go, here's the blood, the red, as you say. Here we go. Wow, amazing. And that is the shot that we were talking about earlier. And as you said, lo- all these people are locals. I don't think there's any actors among these. It just well, that you- would have kept the cost down, you know, that were rapidly yeah. rising because of the delays. <laughs> yes. They're not having to pay, like, you know, actors' rates here, you know. Yeah, we direct people to the Jaws log, and we'll talk about the documentaries <laughs> later, the 20th anniversary one. Details, well, it gives us in fine detail all the problems. Yeah. And then we have Mrs. Kentner. Um, she must have been an actor, I suppose, because she just... No, I think she was a local. Oh, really? I'm sure she was a local, yeah. And and if you notice at this point, there's, there's no sign of the dog, mm. and you get the lilo that washes up, the airbed washes up on the shore, doesn't it? Yeah. There we go. I mean, she does a very good job. She's a non-actress. Mm. She only died very recently, a couple of years ago. All right. Yeah, her name's Lee something. I can't remember. But Lee Fieri, something like that. Yeah, something like that. She's in one of the documentaries as well. She's walking up and down the beach. She shows us that wreck of the orca. That was, yeah. So we've got Carl Gottlieb as Meadows again. We've got really the whole... Uh, all the locals you can see here. Well, there's Harry without the hat <laughs> lurking at the background. They're all there. The old man who gets dragged out the seas there again. The woman who was saying, you're not an islander. That's what I mean. It's such a small community. You get the real impression of that here. Did you see Brody bang his head on the sign? Yes. The right. <laughs> and then just uh, coming up, possibly the finest introduction to a movie character ever. In yeah. My opinion. And sorry to be annoying, but another continuity. There's no uh, drawing on the blackboard there. So. No, because I reckon he sneaks in and does it. <laughs> Do you think so? Ah, well, he's not right. there, is he? He's not in the building at the moment. Right. And I think just before this is where the deleted scene with the piano wire goes. Oh, yeah. Which we'll talk about later. But Shows Quint being a bit scary and mm. a bit comedic. Um, from the film documentary, in a minute, when Quint starts talking, you can see Roy Scheider crouching down and then queuing him with his hand. Yes. I love all these details. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like a Carl Gottlieb joke. <laughs> Could have been. That's private business between you, Fisherman, and Mrs. Kenton. Martin, would you please? Makes you think, what's the relationship between a mayor and a chief of police? <laughs> Are they both elected? I can't remember. Um, I suppose a mayor would be elected. Yeah. I mean, they would have employed him. They would employ him, yeah. They would employ him, yeah. Then we're going to try and use uh, shark spotters on the beach. Are you going to close the beaches? Yes, we are. We're also planning to bring in some experts from the oceanographic... You can imagine, can't you, that that one particular weekend Hmm. is, you know, the centre of their whole business for the whole year, isn't it? Yeah. It all comes alive, doesn't mm. it? So is this supposed to be a few days before July Yeah, it's 4th? coming up to July the 4th weekend, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I like that woman with this. Sort of with the boss eyes. eyes. <laughs> Always remembered that, yeah. Now, somewhere, yeah, where's Roy Shine? I think we missed him. There he is. If you look at him there, and then you'll see his hand cueing Robert Shaw to start talking. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So while he's doing that, I'm just going to say that Robert Shaw is one of my favourite actors. And yes. He's a very unfulfilled, quite a frustrated guy. He liked writing, and I think we'll talk later about all the stuff with Dreyfus. But 
What Robert Shaw films have you seen? Oh, what haven't I seen? I mean, most people will know him from the James Bond. I watched Robin and Marion recently, which paired him up against with Connery for the second time. Yep. Helen uh, One Two Three is one of my Helen One Two Three, excellent film. Yeah. yeah. The Sting. Of course, yeah. I've never been mad on a man for all seasons. I think he overdoes it. No, the eighth. Uh, no, not a big fan of that myself. Young welfare the whole winter. Something about the eyes. He's got such a penetrating stare on him. And, I mean, he's a very well, he's a stage trained actor, well known, yeah. you know, Shakespeare, everything. See, Murray Harold actually looks petrified of him. <laughs> I think they were scared of Robert Shaw, to be honest. Probably, that's coming through here. So it's sort of art, <laughs> art imitating life. Yeah. I think, you know, what usually, you know, the, the impression you get here is, is that there is this sense of community, but he's on the edge of it. Mm. They let him get on with what he does, which, you know, is his fishing business, and he's, he doesn't want to get involved in any of that internal politics or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Until they need him. But at the moment, they're not convinced that it's a shark attack. So. Yep, so Brody's doing a bit of homework here. Again, we get the domestic thing, the dog there. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. This is a great sort of setup here, the way that you've got that corner of the house there overlooking the, the, the sea and, and the lighting. You know, you've got... It's obviously mm. sunset is coming down, but it's still that light from the table lamp there. It's... It's just magical. Has this on Blu-ray for you at the moment, mate? It's like fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Unreal. Doesn't seem real. Yeah, like you say, obviously we're on an island, but I think they deliberately show that. So you've got the ocean, and then we'll see obviously the kids in a minute. Yeah, the the ocean's just there. It's relentless. It's ever present. Yeah, and it's basically a big headache for him. It's something he's not used to. He's used to concrete. Well, he seems like a guy who's who's still de-stressing from living in bigger cop in New York. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't quite unwound yet. But he's getting as much pressure here by the sound of it, and it's a different kind of pressure. Yeah. How long do you think he's been in the job? Do you think, like, three months or something? Oh, uh, well, in this particular job, yeah, he's, he's fairly new to the island. Yeah. Um, but I w- I'm going to assume he's been a cop for... 10, 15 years prior to that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't want him on the ocean. He's not on the ocean. He is in a boat. He's not going to go in the water. Yeah, I, I feel that French connection theory holds quite good. Again, not that they did it deliberately. I was going to say, people like to make connections like that, which you yeah. know, are generally rubbish, but yeah. Well, there's even the thought that De Niro's taxi driver character is, is his deer hunter character after he's yeah. come back from Vietnam, <laughs> even though the film was made before it. See, there's great little bits of levity peppered throughout this to ease the tension. Yeah, so the guy with his family roast, yeah. risking, this, his, risking his holiday roast. Yeah, this is another <laughs> scene that was always used in clips and trailers. Yeah. Because you still haven't seen the shark, but it's the it's, it's watching the, the, the uh, life preserver, isn't it, I think, is attached to going through the water. Yeah, because later we get the barrels, don't we, that symbolise yeah. the shark, and obviously the music as well. Yeah. So they're using all these brilliant devices... Um, we were talking earlier about like you know being afraid to go in the ocean mm. I, I never got the, the shower thing from Psycho perhaps because I wasn't around then 
I don't know. Did you ever? Have you ever did you ever watch Psycho? Well, no. Psycho. Shower, Psycho. I was probably a couple of years older than when I first saw this. Right. Uh, watched it about eighty one, eighty two. So I'd about eleven or twelve. Mm. Um, no, we had a good lock on our bathroom door, mate. At some point, you get the compressed air tanks, a bit of foreshadowing. Maybe that's the next scene. But uh, I'm, I love foreshadowing in film. There you yeah. go, there you go. There's oh, a shark we, with the, the shark with the tank, tank in its, in its mouth. Yeah. And foreshadowing of Jaws 2. There's that little, um, whatever you call that thing. Oh, the shark spotting tower. Yeah, the yeah. tower, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, some horrific photos coming up. Yes. Yeah. And look at the pages in these glasses. Oh, very clever. It's the lighting is very clever the way they've done that. Yeah. This film was pretty much ignored for acting Oscars, wasn't it? it was I don't think it was nominated for anything, was it? In the no, the director wise. wasn't even no. even nominated. We'll see a bit later as well. I don't think the local fishermen realise how big the shark is <laughs> because they're. Uh... Oh well, the, yeah, they're turning up in rowing boats. Yeah, the... right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> chumming the water. And... Yeah. And just the music is, oh, I love it. There was uh, something they used to do was play the film and then have a live orchestra doing the I've music. I've seen it. They did it at the Albert Hall a couple of years ago. It's highly recommended. So do they cut the music from the film? It it plays over pretty much. It's it's just an incredible experience, mate. Brilliant. (laughs) See, basically, this man's been pursued by a piece of, like, decking. Yeah. But it's it's edge-of-the-seat stuff, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you can see the similarities of the suspense of Hitchcock and a Bernard Herrmann score or something. Yeah. You know, the parallels are evident here. Can we go home now? A little bit of humour there. Difficult to balance those, I reckon. Now, this guy is a real, real, um... Amity resident, isn't he? Right, yeah. This script was... Um, I mean, Robert Shaw actually disparaged it, said it was written by committee, and he meant it as a criticism, but it was a kind of a team effort, because they yep. didn't have it ready. They had a very, very unrealistic schedule for principal photography. Well, things were being adapted all the time, weren't they? That's the thing. Mm. And this is Ben Gardner, was he's... A real character, isn't he? This yeah, is like Craig an Kinsman. amazing backstory to this guy. Yeah. And you see, it really looks like Quint, doesn't he? Really? Yeah. Uh, Richard Dreyfus created this whole thing: the glasses, the hat. That was apparently his whole creation. Oh, he right, turned okay. up yeah. looking like Hooper one day. <laughs> and of course, in in the novel, Brody Hooper's having an affair with Brody's wife. They hate each other. It's totally different. So, oh, that is the major difference in the book. Yeah, course, the love yeah. affair. Yeah. So. We'll see this later at the very end, but you get the Spielberg kind of buddy-buddy thing with these two, don't you, in the end? Yeah. But it's not cheesily done in this one. If I, if I had to criticise Mr. Spielberg, I'd say it's a bit bit on the nose in some of his later films. But. What, the uh, the buddy element of yeah. the couple of characters? Yeah. yeah. Some humour again here. 
then can you tell me if there's a good restaurant or hotel on the island? Uh, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all going to die. And I did wear the denim jacket, um, jean jacket, as they say in America, jeans combo. Uh, double denim's not a thing, mate. You can't really do double denim. <laughs> These are your people. Go and talk to them. Those aren't my people. They're from all over the place. Do you see all the license plates out in the parking lot? Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey. I'm all by myself out there. Um, what happened to the extra help we're supposed to? That's not until the 4th of July. Between now and then, it's you and me. Uh, you know those eight guys in the fantail launch out there? Yeah. Well, none of them are going to get out of the harbor alive. <laughs> so he sort of created this nice, likable, but slightly cynical character. It's brilliant. So I've, never seen, I've never seen American Graffiti as a thing, even though yeah, chronologically American, is before. Yeah, American Graffiti was 73. Ooh, 73, 73. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the story is Dreyfus didn't want to do the film, disparaged it on, on TV at the time, got in loads of trouble for that. And then he saw himself in another film, yeah. Apprenticeship with Daddy Kravitz, and hated it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything Richard Dreyfus says is slightly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he got some great stories. There's a lot of alternate castings in this as well, wasn't there? A lot of people were considered for all these roles, you know, from Robert Redford and Paul Newman to Lee Marvin, wasn't he? was going to play Quint at one Lee point. Marvin and then Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden would have been great. Yeah, actually. he would have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had an idea of Newman Redford and John Voight, which I'm yeah. sure it would have worked, you know, yeah. but it just would have been a whole different film because you just, although the three guys were, st- well, stars or very well respected, it, it's a film, it's about, it's not really about the actors almost. Yeah. It's an ensemble in, in a way. I mean, this is before Marathon Man, but after French Connection, isn't it? So Shider's, you know, on, on the ascendance. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, he was so involved in these seminal Clute as well. Mm, Clute's a great film. And I just totally buy it. I remember even when I was a kid, I totally bought Dreyfus. Something to do with the the glasses. I totally bought him as a kind of biologist or ichthyologist. Yeah. And the beard as well was was his thing. That's what a marine expert should look like, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's things like this. It's you know the the breathing he does here because of the smell. Mm. Yeah, we get that later, don't mm. we? As well, when he opens up, when the they shark. open up the shark. The look of disdain on that coroner's face there, as if you you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> or is it a look that's saying, mm, yeah, actually you're right and I'm really afraid don't, you do. Yeah. yeah, I'm afraid you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wasn't Jack the Ripper. Right, this shark was flown in from Florida. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, because yeah. they, they didn't get sharks around Martha's Vineyard. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but by the way, Martha's Vineyard, where it was filmed, is a, is a very exclusive. It is. Whereas you get the idea, this is very working class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't think the crew were too popular, in fact. I mean, obviously, they were giving a lot of money and tourism to Martha's Vineyard, but... Oh, I can imagine the local council is probably very similar to the local council as depicted in the movie. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you look at this, it kind of looks laughing, laughably small, doesn't it, this shark? Well, you know, I wouldn't go to be swimming near it, but no, I mean, especially when you see what's coming up in about half an hour's time. But. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Hooper's the. That's the thing. I just always bought Hooper as this kind of very factual, yeah, scientific, statistical guy. Quint's not buying it. He's just nose, doesn't he? He's like. <laughs> Like I said, people talking over each other. Yeah, you, you, you know, you find it hard to focus on what conversation you're supposed to be listening to, but it just makes it more realistic. Mm. This guy's reaction is, is absolutely classic. He's a bit of a meme now as well, where he says, what, this guy? You oh, mentioned. what? There's T-shirts on there as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people come up to him in the street and get him to say, oh. I bet they do. Yeah. Well, they used to get um, Mrs. Kintner's, Mrs. Kintner to slap. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> people oh. used to want her to slap them. So I can get, I was slapped by Mrs. Kintner. Yeah. Another amazing jacket there. Coming yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise until I watched this a few, um, few times ago mm. that he's actually a real estate broker as well as the mayor. Oh, is he? Because right. on the scene in the ferry that we saw near the beginning, mm. they're in his car and it says Vaughan's Realty. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so obviously he's got these flashy, like, sports coats as the salesman side of him. Mm. Yeah, I love Roy Scheider in this. Yeah. Look at that look on his face. He's torn, isn't he? He's completely mm. torn here. I would have given him at least a nomination. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I couldn't care less about the Oscars anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they got more and more political as years gone on, but yeah. I think in those days it was. Oh, they were massive, though. They were a big thing. Though. Yeah. I don't know who took the acting Oscars. I suppose I would have been Nicholson and uh, in '75. Was it, it was yeah, Cuckoo's Nest, actor. wasn't it? Was they won the top four, didn't they? Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, I was wondering who took the supporting actor. Mm, don't know. Listeners, please write in in the comments section. Um, trying to think. Yeah. Apparently, did lots of slaps, didn't they? And yes. She apologised to Roy Scheider. He said, "Oh, don't worry." <laughs> Maybe he enjoyed it. Because <laughs> she comes back in the second one as well, doesn't she? Does she? Is yeah. she? Does she? Or am I getting her confused with that other lady in the council? Can't remember. I haven't seen the second one too much. No. I don't think it's that bad. No, the second one's quite good, actually. Yeah. You knew all those things. Yeah, she must have had some sort of acting training. boy is dead now. She's just a natural. There's 
nothing you can do about it. The funny way, this is almost the only bit of drama we get, isn't it? My boy what is you say? Dead. You get a little bit of the politics of the mayor not wanting the beaches, but yeah, it's, it's what quite, it sort of stands out a little bit. Yeah, it's what Frank Skinner described as is some real acting going on. Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love this reaction here. Where it's, you know, she's wrong. No, she's not. This yeah. is. There's a kind of guilt to Brody. If you if you're gonna kind of psychoanalyze it a bit more, he seems to just almost have like a guilt complex. He, he does know. shoulder a lot of it, a lot of the burden, doesn't he? And it's and as I say, he's, he's, he's torn here throughout mm. the whole movie. He's, he's trying to make an impression, but he doesn't want to tread on anybody's toes. Yeah. And it's a situation that nobody is familiar with, either him, the locals, nobody at all. Mm. I suppose when he's in New York, probably had all these problems that he wasn't able to deal with. Uh, I don't know. There's this sort of subtle guilt thing that seems mm. to be on his face the whole time. Love this scene. Oh, I love it, yeah. Brilliant. Annoyingly copied in Jaws 4. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to say. Good to say about Jaws 4. <laughs> apart from liking seeing Michael Caine. <laughs> Bloody hell, that's a big shark. <laughs> Etc. <laughs> Do we know who came up with this? Uh, I wonder if this came in the moment. the music again very clever scene I guess John Williams did all the music did he? I'm assuming he did all this background stuff here yeah Yeah, yeah. because you get some sort of triumphant music later on oh there's the the music in the the pursuit of the shark when it's been caught with the barrels is absolutely fantastic there's also when the tourists turn up as well yes that's great very upbeat yeah yeah, I don't know how you worked on that for. I suppose he had time <laughs> the production. <laughs> that was the, that's the, that's the big advantage of this thing. They all had time. But then again, he wouldn't have known what he was actually scoring. You know, it was going to look like on screen, did he? Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah. He wouldn't have known a lot. All of done it. on the fly. I wonder if this pioneered that. I mean, I'm sure there must have been productions before that that went wrong, and they had to do everything on the fly, and it worked out well. But I wonder if this was almost a pioneer. It's almost guerrilla filmmaking, isn't it? It's, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Gonzo filmmaking, yeah. they call it now, aren't they? This, uh, <laughs> the touch I love, the idea of going to someone's house and then saying, is anyone eating that? <laughs> I need a good meal. Oh, I like the fact that when he pours out the wine, he pours himself like a pint almost, and yeah. just a little dribble for his wife, you know? It's just... <laughs> I mean, this is drunk acting, you know, it's not staggering around no. all over the place, you know. Yeah. I, I did a bit of drama training and we were always told that people when they're drunk, unless they're absolutely hammered, they, they're not generally staggering around. They just have this kind of wasted look on their well, face. Well, don't, don't they say, like, to act drunk, you have to pretend you're trying to be sober. Oh, yeah, Is right. that the thing, isn't it? I think when, when they teach people to do drunk acting, a drunk always tries to give the impression that he's not drunk. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, yes. I, I, I was watching this the other night with the film entry, and uh, my husband tells me you're in shot. Yeah, great line. <laughs> and you just just watch Brody the whole. I love watching Brody the whole scene. It's sort of slight grin on it, his face. The look on his face is as if I'm so relieved I've got this expert here, but I still don't know how we're going to get out of this. Yeah. And I think a bottle of wine may help solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> 
and of course it does because they come up with a solution in just a minute. And he's opening it like a drunk guy. Once. Yeah. And as he's opening that wine, perfect time for me to open a can of beer. <laughs> You're meant to wait till Quint. I've uh, probably got another one in, in readiness <laughs> for it, mate. Don't worry. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> you want to let that breathe? No, okay. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, why not? He didn't eat the dinner, though, did he? What is that dinner they got there? I can't see. <laughs> Can I just point out, I always love this. He said, you're the only rational man, just as Brody's necking, you know, being irrational. A pint of wine. I always thought that can't be an accident. Yeah, I always remember that, even when I was a kid. I love that. Go on. I say Jaws 2, I think Hooper's on his way back from the Aurora, because Dreyfus was meant to be in Jaws 2. I think. Is that right? Um... Possibly, I don't know. I feel like for some reason he was supposed to be in. I mean, that would have just it would have made so it would have made sense to try and reunite them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, he's just fiddling with a wine bottle there. That's what. Yeah, he's he's got it all running through his head because he's done all this reading. He's. Mm. You know, trying to figure it out for himself. Is it a shark? Isn't it a shark? Mm. And he is. He's on Dreyfus's side. He knows that Dreyfus is right. We just had the bit where she says, oh, Martin hates boats, isn't it? He's had the fear it's of the war and he says, no, it's the fear of drowning. Yeah, and this is the bit, as I say, that the breathing in this. Yeah. You can spell it, can't you? Yeah. Okay, if you look at Brody, he's almost gagging there. Um, there was a deleted scene where they're on their way and Hooper's talking about having phone sex with a woman, wasn't it? Oh, and that's again, right, yeah. It would have been a nice... I don't think it would have been terrible to leave it in there. It's only like a minute, but... I think Gottlieb said anything that wasn't to do with the action-adventure story. Yep. Basically had to go. Well, yeah. you imagine this version is two hours, four minutes long. Mm. Um, back then, you know, movies were being played as double bills. You know, you couldn't have had anything much longer than this. Yeah. Because they would have lost the revenue of, you know, the number of screenings they could have shown throughout the day. So mm. there was a financial reasoning behind it as well. So with the B film, would that be another full-length film? Or Pretty much like... used to be like another 90-minute movie, yeah. Oh, well. Perhaps people could sit still longer in those days. Remember it <laughs> well. Remember it well. What do you think they use for that liquid? I think it's milk or something. I don't know. <laughs> More than likely. It's the yeah. right colour, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Territoriality at all. We've 
I absolutely love this scene. When I was a kid, I used to. What's this, the Ben Gardner scene? Just the whole, yeah, the night time. Going out. I think it's something about going out a boat at night, because I remember going on a boat trip somewhere, and it was an overnight trip. And I just loved it, gazing out into the ocean at night. <laughs> yeah. There's so much nostalgia involved in this film. Well, you know, this was filmed, um, wasn't it, in a swimming pool? Yeah. Was it one Is of it the executive lake? swimming pool or the, somebody's swimming pool? Yeah, I think I think the, the Ben Gardner bit was mm. in a... I think this is in a lake or something in the Universal... I mean, you might be right. On the back I? lot. Yeah, there's something back on the back lot. lot, but then there was... So, I think the, the bit with the head... Yes. ...was in Spielberg's pool or somebody's right. pool. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't doing too badly, he had a swimming pool. <laughs> Just to quickly point out that um, uh, he'd made a film called Duel. Yes, yeah, 71, 72, TV 71, movie. Yeah, yeah, that was a TV movie and it ended up getting a theatrical release. And in a weird way, it's a sort of spiritual prequel to Jaws. <laughs> well, not prequel, but it's similar because you've got what he calls a leviathan which yeah. is a truck yeah. which you never see you, you just see the guy's hand changing gear at one that's point that's it you never actually see the driver as such yeah. in the movie yeah. and I'll have some trivia about a certain sound effect but that comes right at the end of the film <laughs> are you in Jewel? yeah the sound of the truck is it screams doesn't it yeah yeah and I'll, yeah. I'll point it out when we get it's at the very end of this film obviously that makes a lot of sense um, but yeah there's just such brilliant chemistry between all the actors yeah I wonder whether having all that time together, as Robert Shaw says, you know, we got tired, we've heard everyone's life story five times by the end of it. Yeah, a lot of waiting around, I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. And rewriting, every every night they're rewriting the script. Again, brilliant music. Yeah, I think this inspired a lot of people to want to be marine biologists, didn't it? I probably did. He eventually said that, yeah. Here we go. Again, there was a deleted scene where they take Meadows, which is Carl Gottlieb, mm-hmm. out to show them the boat in the daytime. And there's that brilliant outtake of Carl Gottlieb falling in the, falling in the sea. Ah, uh, is that where that bit came from? Right, okay, yeah, so I've the seen narrator that. says, uh, oh, so there's another half an hour to <laughs> get dry, make up. Yeah, can't be too much fun making this film. <laughs> Worth it in the end. Yeah, because all these like on on water scenes, they mm. had to be like handheld cameras as well to account for the swell of the the ocean and stuff. Yeah, most expensive handheld film ever made. So you think this is at night? That looks a little bit like it's. Yeah, I don't know. As I say, I'm sure this was filmed on the back lot of Fox. Hmm. Or Universal, sorry. Yeah. Um, Just looks a bit day for night, or night for day, whichever way around mm. it is. <laughs> Brody said earlier, can you get the late show on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that line. And Brody looks nervous because he's now left alone near water. Exactly, that's the panic, isn't it? When you're gone, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Well, of course, years, years later in Blackadder, he said, oh, I, I, you don't think I'm the sort of person that's afraid of water and someone comes in with a with glass, glass of water? water. <laughs> <laughs> Brody's not that bad. 
<laughs> Again, great music. This music here. Oh, I love it. We'll never know what it'd be like to be at a cinema and have this. I've seen it at the cinema as well a couple of times. Oh, yeah. yeah, every time there's a anniversary you screening, I make a point. Though, unfortunately, not. You? Yeah, I've seen it before. Obviously, yeah, but yeah, I've seen anniversary screenings on you know local cinemas and stuff. That tooth slightly conveniently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry to nitpick. <laughs> Some of this isn't Richard Dreyfus because apparently he had a date or something. Oh right, in this bit, right? Okay, because I know it's not him in the cage. So. Yeah, but when you see him in a second, that does look a lot like him. So it must have been maybe it was this bit or sorry, this bit here before. Here we go. See that? I think that's that is him. That's him. Was this film PG when it came out? Like well, back then, that PG didn't exist in this country. Ah, right, right. It was um, U A double A. I think it was an A. But what would that be now? Like, what it would have been a PG equivalent. Oh, yeah. okay, right. So like 12, 13. Yeah, we had double A's and X's. It's weird to think, yeah, because they've always got to be so careful. Because the thing is that if you make a film in black and white, we give it an X rating. The, the revenues from it are just automatically, you know, going to go down. Yeah, you just reduce your audience, don't you? Yeah, so it's just sort of, it was always art over commerce, isn't it, really? He's back to his anchors. Uh, yeah. This is great. This is the scene of the poster, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. And we learn here that the best thing if you are encountered by a shark is to stay perfectly still. Yeah. You know, because the shark just reacts to vibrations. That's what I learned a lot about sharks, I must say. <laughs> a lot from, of people did, yeah. Yeah. But in a way, also it gave them a bad name because it, it gave this sort of weird idea that they're, they, they they're target, all man-eaters, yeah. Yeah, that they're targeting <coughs> humans, but mm. it's just all pure instinct. Now, everyone knows what a Kargarin and Kargarin is. You are not going to this all those bitches. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. I mean, we're going to have to tell the Coast Guard. We're going to have to contact the shark research panel. We're going to have to get these on because every time you're going to hire Harper, I don't think one of them is familiar with our problems. The comedy line again. You are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now wait a second, wait a second. There are two ways to deal with this problem. You're either going to kill this animal, or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Brody? <laughs> Sick vandalism. <laughs> that is a deliberate mutilation of a public service message. Now I want those little... Oh, 50th annual regatta. So this is a particularly special year. Exactly, which is why they don't want to close the beaches, because it's not just the 4th of July, but it's the 50th of anniversary. Oh, weird. I'd never... I mm. mean, I obviously had read that before, but... Mr. Vaughan, what we are dealing with here... Well, I love this one. Uh, ...is yeah. machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. <laughs> I love the chemistry. Yeah. It's so perfectly pitched. 
in the Great Lions, yeah. Swims up and bites you in the ass. There's Meadows again. Carl Gottlieb did manage to get himself in. He's got in a few scenes, didn't he? And of all these other people as well. <laughs> I've never noticed that. It's all the same people. Yeah. They kind of do that, don't they? In um, Shawshank Redemption, it's always the same five or six prisoners. Involved That's it. In They're all there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, some great music here. This is the bit where the tourists turn up now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And someone's wearing a Jaws t-shirt, weirdly enough. <laughs> um, American flags there. Picture of the shark that they think is the one. Shark souvenirs. Oh. See, they're already uh, oh, cashing they, in, aren't they're, they? They're not missing a trick. <laughs> I love this. I don't have to go to Brisbane <laughs> when I've got a straight right shark right here. <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant, triumphant music here. And again, is this the genuine people just coming onto the island that they're filming, or is it pre-planned that they're going to get all yeah, these extras well turning up? Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, turning up to Martha's Vineyard, well, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of people, you know... I can't remember when this was filmed. I'm pretty sure it was wasn't filmed over the you know the holiday weekend. No, I think they started making the film in April, and, it, and there were six months. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Close to the winter. Yeah. Because you'll see later. Again, I don't want to nitpick. You'll see like the the ocean changes. Oh, there's a, a sort of green and a yeah, green and blue. There you go. They got the shark. <laughs> Kill a shark. Look. <laughs> wow. There's Meadows again. And then we see Peter Benchley, Brenchley in a minute, don't we, at some point? Yeah. Reporter. Brody's the scut bucket, please come in. Brody's the scut bucket. Okay. Nothing here, Martin. And nothing on Sonar. Yeah, for those who don't know, this is Peter Benchley who wrote the novel. Again, the deleted scenes are a lot longer. So everything's very fast moving. Yeah. It's gone back to the other suit. <laughs> Just noticing yellow now as well. The helicopter was yellow. Oh, is... wow, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why they did that. Is that. I don't know. I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's just one of those fan theories that mm. watch out for yellow. It's a bit like the old red shirts in Star Trek or something. They're the mm. ones that are going to get killed, but it's, it's not true. Maybe it contrasts the, the blood. Yeah. Yeah, that looks a bit like it's not actually that warm. Very windy there. <laughs> don't you think? Yeah. yeah. God, dear. I mean, I can't recommend, again, the Jaws log. I can't recommend that book enough. I say, it's like the Bible, isn't it, to Jaws fans? Yeah. Yellow, Lilo, look at it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll be spotting it forever now. Yeah, it's, but yeah. It's, it, but it's, there's nothing in it from what I can work out myself. Right. A yellow, yellow helicopter. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> there you go again. Yeah. But again, this is like edge of the seat stuff. If you've never seen this film, it's just yeah. 
And I'm wondering what modern day, you know, kids would make of this now. Would they laugh at this movie? I'm, I'm sure they would with the actual special effects of the shark itself. But even the build-up, would they find this too slow? Because nothing really has happened too much up to this point, has it? Yeah. I mean, I don't see my nephews and my niece as much as I'd like to, but when they were growing up, we, we, tried, we showed them a few films from, I think it was more the 80s, actually. Yeah. They kind of like some of them, and then other ones they didn't... Some yeah, of them just laughably bad, aren't they? But yeah. we hold them dear because it's the nostalgia thing for us a lot of the time, even though the film might not be particularly good. Yeah. I think just stuff you see when you're a kid, it just, it, it's there forever. Almost, it stays it? with you, doesn't it? That's it does, it. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I love Lorraine Gowery in this. Lorraine Gowery. Yeah, it's great. Brilliant. <laughs> some of these actors they've been getting uh, what they call residuals in America what we call royalties for years and yeah. years yeah nice little murder <laughs> completely off topic but I think um, Noddy Holder gets something like £80,000 a year just for Merry Christmas everybody you know <laughs> oh yeah well they asked Don McLean what's what does American Pie mean and he says oh it means if I don't have to do I don't have to do any other work if yeah. I don't want to <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's the game to get into. I'll oh, tell you. yeah, songwriting but, royalties. Yeah, but you say with these movies, you know, this con- this is constantly being re-released on anniversaries. Mm. The, the, the different DVD. If I was to, you know, show you every single DVD, VHS, whatever version I've had in the past, mm. and you know, they've had a tenner's worth of my money every single time. Oh yeah, yeah, that money's going somewhere. I think we know they've got hours of deleted scenes that they're going to dribble out in the next fifty years. So they. I can't believe it. I can't believe we love to see it. Watch all the people here. I love it. I never noticed that till the other day. There's Carl Gottlieb again. (laughs) He did get himself in the movie. Didn't quite write himself out. (laughs) Look at all these these kids. Now, I've got to be honest, I didn't really. I suppose it's not supposed to look real, is it? It's supposed to look real enough for the first time you see it. So there's the old man again in the background. That's him, yeah, because he was at the council meeting. Yeah. yeah. And this guy just knocks over <laughs> a load of children. No whistles. So we get this, um, obviously, what would you call it, like a red herring, or not a red herring, but a false alarm. Yeah. And then it's brilliantly pitched, and we get a genuinely shocking scene in a minute. Again, classic bit of cinema switcheroo mm. here, isn't it? It's, it's mm. edge-of-the-seat stuff, you know, you're watching this bit thinking, oh, my God, because at the moment we don't know what that fin is. Yeah. And then when this particular bit is over and done with, you breathe your sigh of relief. Yeah. And then we get a genuinely first really great look at the shark. Yeah. Oh dear. There goes the summer. That's just dollar signs falling away from him, isn't it? That's all you can see there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
He made me do it. He told me. This kid always reminds me of a young Kurt Russell. Oh yeah, <laughs> they look like brothers. They must be brothers, no? In real life. God, they look so. Yeah, they, they look identical <laughs> almost, don't they? Please, please move back. Let's move back. He's giving people some air. Please move back. Move back. Martin, it's just a hoax. There are two kids with a cardboard pin. Is everyone there okay? Did everyone get out of the water all right? Yeah, this is great because mm. there is a slightly deleted part to this as well, isn't there? Where jumping ahead a wee bit, yeah. but but there, there's a scene, isn't it, where the guy before he gets his leg bitten off, you see him actually taken in the in the shark's mouth, don't you? Yeah, and he's yeah. We'll see in a sec. Mm. Mike Brody. So this is obviously Brody's son in his birthday. He present. asked him mm. to go in in the pond. Now there you go. Now that looks bloody awesome <laughs> yeah it does and again it's a clever way because you see the length of it you see yeah. the size of it just by seeing the fins I wonder if there are films where you saw the fin of a shark because it's just so tied to this film there's a film called Shark with Burt Reynolds from 1968 which I saw after this one there's also the film called Sharky's Machine Burt Reynolds oh. <laughs> he plays a cop called Sharky <laughs> so this is Ted Grossman who's a stuntman yes uh, another continuity error he didn't have a shoe on his foot I'm only oh, being, yeah. I'm only yeah. being annoying uh, pointing these out. It's, uh, very, very authentic screaming here. And again, the music. So that's the first time we really see any glimpse of the shark itself. Yeah. And then Mike Brody Avoids very death. intelligently avoids death by <laughs> keeping perfectly still. I think he's probably... Probably petrified, yeah, scared yeah, stiff. Literally scared stiff. <laughs> you hear someone say, has anyone got a gun? <laughs> That's another bit of trivia. <laughs> because at this point you don't know who the leg belongs to either. Right. That was the thing. That's why yeah. they focus on the ankles there. Oh yeah, right. Shock. Now it becomes revenge movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And here we go, the ocean again. That peering into the ocean, somewhere in that ocean, there's a shark. Now that's you know your biggest enemy of all time, isn't it? You're, you're that the size of that, you know, somewhere yeah. out there. I've always been obsessed with the ocean. I think it's mm. like the Titanic stories, and no, not not the not Kate and Leo, the actual yeah. story. <laughs> uh, just the vastness of it is just incredible. I like this line as well about home. Mm. And Murray Hamilton's great in this scene as well. It's a beaten man. Yeah, he is, yeah. Mm. Bewildered. Home here. Mm. I think Lorraine Gary said there's some sort of element of her trying to make him feel guilty. I don't know whose um, decision it was to go to Amity. I mean, I'm only going by what she said in the yeah. interview. I don't know. 
right, now we're going to tell you how this is going to be done. <laughs> yeah, remember Quint, everybody? <laughs> So it feels like he's under pressure from someone, but obviously there's no hint of any mafia in the film. No, that's the thing, yeah, you, there is something underlying here, isn't there? Yeah, because yeah, you think, well, yeah, it's not good for the town, but it seems like there's something else bothering him. Yeah. He's, he's afraid of something or someone. His son's actually in Jaws too. One of the one he of does. The kids. He does appear. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I know they talk about films as three acts, but really this this film is two halves. As it's well, two it? halves. You know, now Quint takes over basically. Yeah. Just, I just. I always promote um, the Dick Cavett show <laughs> and Robert Shaw was, have you seen him on that? Yes. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Kind of a dangerous guy. Very dangerous guy. You know? Um, Richard Dreyfus is in heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just Quint is just superb. The lines we get now and the songs. And I watch this as well. Like, really spits out. Brody spits it out. Don't drink that. <laughs> so Hooper just drinks it. That's what I love uh, about this. It's, oh, make moonshine, isn't it? That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. He has to swim with a bow-legged women. Yeah. Right? All of that sort of stuff. <laughs> so I guess, I guess, yeah, Carl Gottlieb must have been responsible for a lot of the comedy because yeah. there's no real humour in Benchley's book, really. No, not at all. No. <laughs> yeah, and he says to me, Mr. Quinn! <laughs> You're going to need an extra So tell us, uh, summarise, what did Dreyfus say about Robert Shaw? Like, what, was, what was the relationship there? Well, he was a bully, wasn't he? That was mm. what the, the, out, the outset of it all was. Mm. Uh, and constantly drinking. Mm. And he was just throwing his weight about all the time. And, and, and Dreyfus, in every interview you see, loves to tell the story. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I think Robert Shaw was very lovable as well. I think that's what Dreyfus said. He could, He's just one of these people, you know, he says his ups, is up, his ups were up and his downs were down. And he was also respected because he was that old school actor. And he had yeah. that classical training and, and all of that sort of stuff, you know, that history behind him. And Absolutely. don't forget, these guys are, are new Hollywood. These are Easy Rider, Raging Bully era, we're talking here. Yes, yes. But you've got a man that's appeared in Oscar winning movies, appeared mm. as a James Bond villain. You know, he's, he's going to have mm. some sort of like clout behind him. I think he was a very dissatisfied person because I read one autobiography. No, sorry, one biography. It was written by his agent. I don't know if you've mm. read that, but there's no, two out no. there. Mm. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, but he really, uh, I think the alcohol really took over them. Because yeah. he died three, four years after this. It wasn't long after this at all. In Ireland, no. wasn't it? Yeah. Doesn't he, he's in the deep, isn't he? Which is the other Benchley thing about 78. Yeah, kind of son of Jaws, isn't it? In, in a funny way. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Or son of, son of Quint, let's say. <laughs> he's some sort of treasure hunter or something. Yeah. You're on board my vessel. Take him for ballast. Take him for ballast, Chief. 
And now it's three men on a boat, but it's nothing to do with the three men on a boat story. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Something <like>. very different. <laughs> and there's Quint's mate, because again, there was a deleted scene where he... he well, he appears at the council office, doesn't he, with the dog at the beginning. He's yeah. the blackboard. Yeah. But there's also a scene where he says, I'm not going on the boat, and Quint essentially fires him. <laughs> and again, it's this thing where you don't need the drama. We don't need the drama need of Quint and his mate. Yeah. Exactly. Just... The difference between the three here, you've got the grizzled old like mariner there, right? You've got the educated you know, the, the, the guy that got all the education about what's, you know, what being, um, you know, an oceanographer is, is all about. Yeah. And then you see Brody in, the, in his, his yellow southwester, or whatever. He's always a blue one. Yeah. yeah. And it's just his like rubbers. He, you know, Lorraine Gary has just got out and bought that this morning very quickly for him. Yeah, just fussing <laughs> about, have you got your drama meat? Have you got your medication? Sun, or whatever. Suntan lotion, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> And I think Lorraine Gary was intimidated by Shaw as well. I think Shaw is a drunk, uh, rather like Joel Island is a drunk, in fact. Uh, quite a different animal. Probably very lovable when he wasn't drunk. Very competitive as well, we know. Yeah. It's that, that Oliver Reed era, isn't it? It's the Richard Harris, all those guys that are no longer about anymore, you know. And I, mm. It makes the world a less interesting place without them, I think. Yeah, I think there's so many drinkers. It's all uh, all uh, mineral water now. Isn't That's it. it yeah. <laughs> that was from a gravestone in Ireland. You found that? I remember watching this for the first time on the TV, like network premiere, and those little quips that Quint does, you know, here's the swimmer with bow-legged women, my old man was just in bits laughing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they are great, yeah. At this point, I would just like to say that uh, I'm a person who has a lot of recurring dreams. And I was telling you this the other day. I have had in my life 20 to 25 recurring dreams of Brody Quinn and Hooper on the boat. Are you on the boat with them? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm never clear whether I'm watching the film. Yeah. Because it all looks completely different. Okay. It's, it's three of them on a boat. It's mostly around Quint's death. 
Yeah. It's so bizarre, but it, it, I've had 25 different versions. I say, it doesn't play out the story. It's different versions of the story or yeah. different stories completely. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, my dream world would... Uh, <laughs> both during the day and at night, but now it's another story. If there's any and, dream uh, analysts out there, you know, I'd love to know what all that's about. Well, I'm going to get one of them on my podcast, you know. <laughs> And I'm going to get them to analyze my dreams. Please get them to have a listen to that. So, listeners, if you do have a beer, oh, too late. (laughs) Quint's beating you to it. Another, notice the foam on his uh, his mouth there? And then, great bit of comedy. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) But you need this. In this last 45 minutes, you need a bit of levity, a bit of tension. And they've just got that balance just right. Like I say, later Spielberg bit too buddy buddy for my liking but. although of course he's ch- after Schindler of course he changed again and of course made did, Munich yeah. and all those but um yellow flag there it's, uh, yeah and the yellow barrels mate you know it's <laughs> and the compressed air tank of course yeah, foreshadowing again yeah. yeah see this is the thing as well we don't realise that what he's got wrapped around that fishing reel is piano wire yeah because of that deleted scene. Oh, yeah. Now, I was in the Cubs and learned a few knots, but <laughs> never learned what it's from. <laughs> but he's got that sort of salty sea dog, you know, little brown eel comes out of yeah. the cage. He's got that going, hasn't That's he? how he learned to do it when he was five or something. Yeah. So, they, they do this thing, it's like technology... It's like working class versus Hooper's upper class. Mm. You've got technology versus old school. But it's not too on the nose. It's just subtle enough. Exactly. It's not too subtle, to be honest. But, but this is not a psychological drama, you know. It's, yeah. a, it's an action adventure. Yeah. And he's experienced enough to know, does that mean anything? Is it what I think it might be? Yeah. Not going to take any chances. Here we go. Clip myself in. <laughs> That's when you know there's something there. When You know, he's just dead quiet. All this is going on behind him. And well timed. He gets the knot right. Yeah. Because it's different from Ahab, isn't it? You know? Yeah, but well, Moby Dick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd never really because t- I didn't really know Moby Dick. I, I'd seen the film actually, I think, mm. sometime when I was a teenager. Yeah, I never clicked exactly how similar it is, but it's not. It's not the same. It's different. No, with, with Ahab, it's revenge for taking his leg, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this is revenge, but it's, it's revenge on Brody's part. Yeah, but obviously, when we get to the famous speech, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So Robert Shaw was apparently terribly seasick when they did this, and it took all the strength he had to shout at Hooper. Oh, right. Yeah, like really seasick. Again, Dreyfus, everything he says is exaggerated. <laughs> He's like making out like Robert Shaw couldn't move. Or, uh, so take that with a pinch of salt. That's the thing, because that's the only recollections we get, because unfortunately poor old Schneider's not no longer with us, and we don't, you know see too many interviews about Jaws with him and Spielberg yeah. doesn't do that many in relation to Dreyfus Dreyfus you know talk mm. about Jaws at the drop of a hat most yeah. of the time yeah yeah Roy Scheider I think he talked a bit on the the Lauren Boozer eyes that is the 20th anniversary one the two hour yeah. one yeah talked a bit um, 
the Robert, you see there, the water is, that, that looks like it was filmed months later. Somewhere cold. See? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got blue changes. skies, but very cold looking water. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, look, there's, there's like foggy cloud almost there. Mm. But then when they switch the camera around, it's, it's sunshine. Mm. He's gone under. He's gone under the it's all in the eyes with Robert Shaw. Yeah. Well, you can, sometimes they're glazed, of course. But. That's what I'm saying. Is it because of the amount of alcohol he's got? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep it steady now. I got something very big. I think he used to have a, someone used to pick him up at the harbour or something at five in the morning. Yeah. And he'd already be having a top. Oh, of, um, wild turkey was his tipple. That was it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Again, for those who've never seen the making of this, I mean, your mind will be absolutely blown. It's a miracle this is even here. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole thing with the shark is is the main issue, isn't it? Mm. Well, no, also because the ocean, of course, never stays the same, does it? No, of course. But, you know, the, yeah. the whole thing about not seeing the shark wasn't planned. Yeah, yeah. That you'll know, of course, these stories of, like, they'd be, they'd be shoot, look at Brody with that rod. Fantastic. Um, there'd be, like, a, a regatta would go by. And it, it, would take, it would take an hour for them to for get... To go past the horizon. Past the shot, yeah. And then, the, and then they'd say, well... Is it quicker to rotate everything 90 degrees and do it from that angle? Oh, amazing. Can't imagine the stress. And of course, they didn't know if it was going to be successful. This could have been a complete dud because it didn't have any stars. It didn't have Paul. Yeah, these guys are well known, but they're not Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This is made on the back of a hugely successful paperback that one particular summer. Right, yeah. That's, that's the whole reason this was made. Right. Huge paperback, let's buy the rights to it. Yeah, because one of the producer's wife uh, worked for, was a reviewer for one of the magazines, Vanity Fair, perhaps? One of yeah, those. something like that, I think. She yeah. reviewed it and someone said, might make a good film. Yeah, might make a good film. Yeah. <laughs> Here we get the comedy. <laughs> So do you think Robert Shaw intimidated Dreyfus for the role or because he was jealous, because he was a young guy? I don't know. A bit of both. Are there any reports of Robert Shaw behaving like that on any other movie? Yeah, that's a good point. To be honest, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's Is it something point. that Dreyfus has exaggerated or was it something that Robert Shaw took particular delight in doing? Because he is new Hollywood, you know, that's the thing. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I've, I've got you, you know, it's, I'm not going to let this go. Yeah, you're right, because I've never, yeah. On the sting, on the sting, you never hear of him intimidating Robert Redford. I mean, you think no. Robert Redford's a young, very attractive Same guy. Same sort of thing, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Dreyfus isn't, yeah, I'm not saying he's not good looking. But, but then not, again, you know. this is one of those movies that the the history of, the background of, the making of is so well documented because yeah. it is so well loved by people like you and I yeah that we get these backstories I mean I'm sure there are a thousand backstories of the sting and there sure. might be some intimidation but we've just never been aware of it mate you know? yeah yeah I love that aerial shot by the way the that's coast. brilliant when you look straight down on the boat yeah yeah and here just fantastic because you get the co sort of comedy line again lulled into that false sense of security now it's like Absolutely. nothing's going to happen here yeah 
And that look on, I would have given Scheider an Oscar nomination just yeah, for that look it's on his one face. one of the most famous two minutes of uh, movie <laughs> oh, history. But the, the whole angle there is brilliant. There we go. And that looks pretty good to me. Yeah. We always notice a bit of chum went on the shark's head as well. <laughs> <laughs> but then on different versions, mm-hmm. the, the angle is slightly different. I never realised this, but I had a DVD where you didn't see that and it was is weird is it because it wasn't in widescreen possibly yeah might have been panned and scanned or something you never could I remember it on TV I love this bit as well look at the way Robert Shaw looks out yeah yeah very intense guy I think mm. shut off that engine because even at this point he can't believe the size of it it's like I'm not sure but I think that's the biggest fish I've ever seen in my <laughs> life yeah yeah that looks not bad no that's fine that's, yeah. that, that part is absolutely fine yeah Of course, when we've done podcasts before, we've all said, you know, people didn't expect you to have video recorders and podcasts no. and audio commentaries. That's it. It that would have just passed, you know, it's just, you're just there in the moment in the cinema. How do we handle this? How do we handle this? So it's realistic enough. I think towards the end... Hmm. Yeah, but don't forget, you know, we hadn't seen anything like this before. Before, it was all mm. plasticine Ray Harryhausen-type stop-motion stuff before, you know. We, we wouldn't yeah. have had anything like this to, to you know, to judge the quality against. Steven Spielberg's voice? Yes. Yeah. I think the closest we ever got to this was the giant squid in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with Kirk Douglas back oh, in yeah. the 50s, you know. <laughs> well, how much of the whale would you see in Moby Dick? I can't even remember. Oh, it does see? jump out of the water at one point. I'm oh, sure it, it does, yeah. yeah. I bet that didn't look... Look no, at that lovely no. summer's day there, isn't it? And it's this whole pursuit that comes up in a second that is the best part of the John Williams score. You know, everyone loves the da-da-da-da, all that lot. Yeah. But that, that pursuit bit is, is the best part of the score for me. Yeah, it's that the music and the, and the music cues and the visual. Mm. I love this bit as well, look. Brody tries to escape. <laughs> Brody just looks scared shitless. The other two look a bit kind of turned on almost. You know? Of course they are. So I say it's the biggest. Yeah. You also get a good sense of how small that boat actually is with the three of them standing there together yeah, yeah. as well. And Hooper's Mr. Technology. He goes down to get his uh, whatever that thing is. He's got fish. Oh, finder. he's got the uh, yeah the fish finder. Yeah, yeah. And, and my favourite bit, sort of in relation from this to Jaws 2, mm. is there's a scene in Jaws 2 where Brody goes in through his front door, mm. and sitting outside his front door is one of those yellow barrels full of plants. Oh, wow. Have you not noticed that? Have you never seen that before? I don't know. I don't think so, no. Yeah, you know, they, they at the end, they obviously go back floating on the barrels. Yeah. He uses the barrels as plant pots oh. in Jaws 2. They're outside his front garden. I might watch Jaws 2 again. Yeah, you see the contrast there. Lovely place. Yeah, it's a bright sunny day now, look. Yeah, yeah, but they did their best. I mean, yeah, they did their best. <laughs> but I, I don't take any notice of that because you get so lost in the moment in this particular That's sequence. That's it, yeah, you're sucked into this story. Shoot! 
there is no problems with the special effects up to this point at all, mate, as far mm. as I'm concerned. And that just makes it look even better, just watching that yellow barrel go flying through the water. Mm. I'd never heard of this idea of barrels. I mean, I'm sure it was a thing before Jaws, but... It made me wonder, yeah, did Spielberg sort of come up with that? Because, like, we haven't got the shark. Yeah. How do we visualise the shark going through the water? I know. Perhaps we can, like, harpoon barrels into it. Must be a thing. I think it was a thing, but they're obviously they used it, yeah. To their advantage, basically. Sure. Yeah. Uh, looking into the camera is great. <laughs> it's just such a tricky thing to have an actor look in the camera. That, you don't want to throw them out. Yeah, and of that the story. I love that particular shot. Yeah, of Quinn on the edge of the boat there. Yeah, I had that as a screensaver. A little bit of trivia paper. here. This is not the three actors. Right, I can yeah, believe that. Yeah, this was the yeah. very last shot. And Werner Fields, the editor, directed this. Thanks to Jamie Benning for that. <laughs> the filmumentary <laughs> guy. But that, I just love that shot. Right? Mm. We've got one barrel on him, so we stay out here till we find him again. Yeah, but we could radio in and get a bigger boat out <laughs> Still on about the bigger boat. That was Roy Scheider's line, wasn't it? Look at that, it's marvellous. That is just beautiful cinematography. So what do we say about this speech? <laughs> Everything's been said about this speech, mate. Mm. It was written by about three or four different people in the end, wasn't Who it? Who knows? Was it John Milius? Was it Robert Shaw? Was it Spielberg? Was it? Uh, Everybody's bit... claimed it, haven't they, at some point? Yeah, there's a bit of Howard Sackler, mm. uh, who was something to do... Was he the Great White Hope? Did you write that? I don't know. Or Milius? Mm. Milius was involved with Apocalypse Now a few years later. Yep. I know that. And Shaw definitely wrote some of it, and then Spielberg, I think, so... Whoever wrote it doesn't matter mm. because what you get is, is it about 90 seconds to like two, two minutes almost of a monologue that is just captivating. Mm. And watch Dreyfus's face. I mean, again, that's not acting. Later on, I mean, when he's yeah. doing the speech. Yeah. He's totally into it. And of course, it was done over two days and one Shaw was roaringly drunk. Yeah. And was and rang up Spielberg at three in the morning and said, "Oh, did I make a complete fool of myself?" And he said, "Oh, don't worry, we'll do it tomorrow." Spielberg comes across as quite a, a a nice director. I don't know what he's like now. Maybe he's got more power, but yeah, at the time, I suppose you know he he doesn't want to put foot wrong, does he? Back in seventy four, yeah. seventy five, yeah. I think it, I feel like he would be genuinely quite easy to work with in those days. He comes across as a really nice guy, doesn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So now they bond, like, one, you know, one's the technology guy, one's the old school fisherman, but they've both got some <laughs> nice injuries there. <laughs> and Brody's, is it an appendix guy, Brody's guy? Yeah, he looks down, doesn't he? Like, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> Look at that food. going to drink to your leg. <laughs> Look at that food. You notice he's still tying knots as well at this point. <laughs> right, yeah. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> See, they both look pissed. <laughs> well, I think they were drink I think in those days, they, they would let them drink a bit, depending. I think nowadays, as I said, it's all a bit sanitised, isn't it? Yeah, a bit. 
It's weird nowadays. They can show more violence. There's more swearing. Yep. But then they won't let them do stuff like this. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a very good drunk acting. I mean, Robert Shaw's definitely drunk for some of this. It just grabs his arm. Mm. And that's all you need to know, because I know you know what that is. Mm. Didn't know at the time, though. Didn't know to No, but later. Dreyfus knows what that is there. Mm. What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side, Chief. He was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady and just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Remember, he's got to do it all in an American accent as well. Of accent. course, yeah. It's so hard to get totally into it when you've got to imitate an accent. But then, if he wrote as much of this as you know, it's, it's claimed. You know, it's, it's going to be ingrained somewhere in the memory. Yeah. And, and this <laughs> this man ain't no like newcomer to the acting business, is he? For yeah. that's sake, you know. <laughs> Do you think they realised at the time how impactful this particular monologue would, would be in the future? How th- how revered it's it's become? Probably not. I mean, I think they were they were all like they found it breathtaking at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just hard to know, isn't it? I, mean, I, I just don't think they were sure the film was going to be. No, but it is a bit of magic, though, isn't it? I mean, sure. I know we're talking over it, which is a bit disrespectful, but <laughs> yes. it's a commentary at the end of that, unfortunately, so we can't, you know, just play this back properly. Um, but it is a bit of cinema magic, mate. Well, at least it's available, isn't it? Even if people don't have the film, <laughs> you can surely watch this scene. Again, all in the eyes. He's got that technical detail from somewhere as well mm. to have known that that's what happens in a shark attack. Quite long as well, because as we were saying, yeah, there's, there's no fat on this film. Not to say that this is that, but... It's by far the longest sort single of, speech, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, single, whole single, yeah. even static little scene. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus is well into it. He seems different without his glasses as well. Isn't he? <laughs> he looks sort of less bookish and less <laughs> technical. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if nowadays they'd expect audiences to get bored. Yeah, would they put in something like this in a modern movie? You know, that's a big risk, isn't it? Yeah. Because we've had quite a hefty action sequence leading up to this. Mm. But then it proves to be the perfect break for the last... I know we said this is a film of two halves, not three acts, but Mm. we are going into the third act after this, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Did you ever notice on TV they 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 would cut bits out of this speech? No, no, the whole oh. of the whole film. <laughs> yeah, because I 
because the first time I ever got a VCR, yeah, um, I was yeah. It, in a, in a funny way, it killed the film for me because then I just watched it every day for the next six yeah, months. Yeah, sort of killed it in a way because, like I said earlier, you know, you'd have to wait two or three years for it to come on TV, and it oh, was yeah. such a buzz when it came on yeah. TV that you're never going to get that anymore. Unfortunately, oh, that's it. It's everything <laughs> so readily available now. Yeah, yeah. But they definitely cut bits because the one I watched ad nauseum. Yeah. When it was on BBC, it was about ten minutes longer. And I'll give you an example. They cut the whole bit where they go back on the on the deck in a minute. Really? Yeah. Honestly. I'll tell you why. Because it's two hours, four minutes long. Mm. Originally, ITV had the network premiere, and I think they had it for like set the first seven screenings or something like oh, that. All right, yeah. Um, back then, ITV had news at ten. And what oh. they would probably do was start this at eight o'clock take out the ad breaks, you've got a two-hour, four-minute movie, you've got to trim a little bit somewhere in there, haven't you? I suppose yeah. would that have been the reason? I don't know. Because weirdly enough, I can still remember the bits they trimmed. <laughs> yeah, and it's it weird that, you know, you that, as teenagers in the 80s or whatever, you know, you've got versions that you're familiar with. Yeah. That when you watch them as, like, official DVD Blu-ray versions or whatever, it's like, well, where did that come from? You know, yeah. it's just like, that's not what I'm aware of before. Look at that slop they're eating, by the way. <laughs> Got some beer That's going. That's probably one of cans, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that Show Me The Way To Go Home? Is that a well-known song? Yes, yeah. Was it? Do you know where it came from? I, I can tell you Max Bygraves has sung it a few times in uh, the past. Right. <laughs> Listeners, you never imagined Max Bygraves would get mentioned, did you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we we certainly sung it at a few family parties in the past, mate. I know that. Yeah, we used to <laughs> sing it at school, love, because of this film. Oh, uh, no, no. When we a... went on school trips on the way home. Yeah. yeah. Well, you notice as well, sort of from maybe here onwards, Brody kind of comes into his own, gets into it a bit. Yeah. He doesn't look quite as. It, the, the cop comes out, you know. The, the New York cop comes out. I think now it's it's a case of right. Well, I'm in a, a situation that I would have faced in you know New York now. That I've got to live on my wits. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Because he's not. That's the thing. He's not green, is he? He's not. Mm, he's no. seen a bit of like. He's, he's arguably he's, seen more of life than these two. Really. Yeah, but he's just out of his depth in the environment, isn't he? Because exactly. he's just not used to being on the water. Yeah. I mean, if you put Quint in the middle of New York, it'd be a difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a good uh, Tarrell <laughs> film, wouldn't it? A bit like Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in this ITV one, there mm. was none of this. Oh, I, I well, this sequence rem- really? Yeah, I can't remember where it ended, but they went directly. And there's the shooting the shoot- star. Yeah, <laughs> there's two. In fact, there's two. There's another one coming up now. Why have I missed I'm that? I'm sure there's another one. Yeah. Quint's doing there we go there's the second one yeah I think Spielberg saw a shooting star or something when he was a kid so he that was obviously a complete accident well, wasn't one of them an accident it was filmed and he didn't realise until he saw the rushes and then he made the decision to include it in yeah. most of his movies afterwards or something Is yeah that right? that's it. something like that of course now they could CGI it but mm. that was a real shooting star where did Brody get the cut on his uh, forehead um he says to him earlier, there's a cut on your head, Chief. Oh, right, right. Um, so Brody's kind of learning now. He's learning how to steer the boat. 
And by the end, he's almost bossing them around. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Chief? The barrel is up. It's ready to start. Yeah, sort of coming into his own now. As you say, it's 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 the instincts. It's the stuff that he knows. Mm. The the fear of the water is still there, but at the same time, like the element of survival comes into this now. Yeah. I think towards the end, they're all afraid. <laughs> Even if you're a fisherman, yeah. Like I say, this is a very <laughs> small boat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but there have been sharks of like 25 feet. Uh, do they exist or possibly not? I don't know. Do you know what? I think this was a bit of an exaggeration. Right. I right. think since then they may have found something at that size. Right. We'll talk later about the cage when we get to that. Yeah. Used a couple of techniques. So I was, when I was a kid, I was just thinking, blimey, why are they they're so close to the water? Yeah, he's like, this is really nail-biting stuff, look. Yeah, here, here, yeah. As I said, doesn't matter because, you know, we're, we're 40 years If you, if you love the movie the fact, as much as we do, <laughs> you can forget overlook, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't care that it doesn't look real, mate. You know, there's been talk over the years of CGIing over the top of that. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, well, my friend used to say, yeah. Uh, you know, you go into the cinema to watch a horror film. Yeah. Which part of that's real? Here in a fucking cinema. <laughs> <laughs> What's realism got to do with it, really? This is great as well. To hear Brody, see? He's just as angry. Surprised no one had the idea of like doing Brody the New York years, you know, some sort of prequel. Oh, a bit like they did Prime Suspect 1973 or right, whatever right, it was yeah. when they went back in time. <laughs> this musical cue is a big favourite yeah. line as well. Is this where we go into the triumphant bit, isn't it? It's, it's, they get a barrel in it again and they chase it. I'm sure they do. Oh, they might even get two in it now. Yeah. But yeah, the more I think of it, I mean, great film without the music, but I suppose you could say the same about Star Wars. Or That's what I said. Like Spiel- Spielberg and Williams go together hand in hand. Mm. I mean, imagine Psycho without that score. Yeah. Difficult. So yeah, I mean, this See, is that, seafaring almost like music. Very ET-like as well. You can always recognise a John Williams score. Same, you can always sort of spot a John Barry or someone like that. You know, yeah. they have their own specific techniques and their own favourite instruments yeah brilliant absolutely love it mm. and watch here Brody gets a bit worried and then there's a shot of him and he gets well into it I think this is the point where he's kind of getting into it it's it? the point where he thinks we could actually win here <laughs> yeah and this is even quite exciting yeah you know we've got a barrel in it we're chasing it we're at the same speed we're going to get another one in a minute hopefully you know he's like do you know what Quint knows his stuff yeah he might be a bit of a fruitcake yeah and the angle there I love that that is great isn't it yeah Yeah. there There you go go. look of like we've got this (laughs) I'm into this this is more fun than sitting in the 
And they're all into it. Did John Williams win for this? Must have done, didn't he? I will double check on that in a second, mate. I'm yeah, we will, sure. we will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he did, but we'll have a look. Hey, one for sound, but not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, one for there was something, wasn't there? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Robert Shaw has actually presented the Oscars the year this was. Oh, was he? Was he actually? <laughs> yeah, you could see him. He doesn't look very com- he doesn't look very comfortable. I don't think that was really his right, thing. I don't think he liked that whole Hollywood thing. Did nah, he? I think he's more of a writer. He's more of a solitary kind of guy. Yeah. Writer. I always thought it was a tiny bit of a lull here, but then it makes like the end part even more interesting. It, again, it's that that feeling of like you know you you can take the breather, you can relax yeah. a little bit because hold on to your hold on to your hats, guys. It's going to get even more of a bumpy ride, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean from the cage onwards. And when we used to watch as a family, we always thought there was a sort of Brody and Hooper are a tiny bit bumbling. You know, this yeah. bit where they get, Hooper gets caught up in the rope. That's the way we always used to, because we used to laugh at it, you know. We thought it's, I used to be scared, witless when I was a oh, kid. Oh, the cage bit is, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what's here? Like, we always thought of Brody and Hooper, it's a bit kind of. Uh, Lauren Hardy almost? Yeah, Keystone <laughs> Cops, as we'd say, but something like that, yeah. <laughs> So what genre would you call this horror then, or would you call it action? No, adventure? I mean some people it? do class it as a horror. Mm. Um, what is it's almost unique? It's drama. It's thriller. It's yeah. It's a great feature film at the end of the day. Who knows? I don't know how you'd actually define this. Maybe. I think Carl, Carl Gottlieb called it action adventure. Yeah, that's, that's what they were going for. Here we go. Yeah, I think that boat's pretty old as well as being. Oh, he's, he's used as that being for twenty small. years or so, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, John Williams won Best Original Score at the Oscars for Jaws. Oh, he did, right. But obviously it was the year of Cuckoo's Nest, so they won so the big four. They won director, picture, even. actor. Five, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, actor and actress. Director, writer. One writer as well. So they won sound, score and editing, was it? Editing for Werner Fields, yeah. Yeah. A score for John Williams. I don't think they got the writing. Um, no. Wasn't even nominated. No. I think I think there's there's always been a bias. I mean, comedies very very rarely get any Oscars. 
And yeah. I think something, if it is classed as action-adventure, they probably don't take the writing seriously. That's, That's the thing. I mean, the 60s was quite unique in Hollywood history that four musicals won Best Picture in oh, the 60s. Yeah. Um, and it's this real transition period that we always talk about, mate, when we're chatting about from old Hollywood to new Hollywood, that late sort of 67, 68 going on into the 70s. Yeah. Where the studio system is collapsing and, you know, guys like Coppler and, you know, we, we talk about this, you know, the raging bull period. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because comedies very rarely get a nod. Musicals very rarely get a nod now. Mm. You know, La La Land and sort of Chicago probably sort of spring to mind yeah. recently. Then again, Chicago, that's 20 years ago when you think about it. Yeah. Um, comedies, Annie Hall, you know, in the 70s, probably the last great comedy to win Best Picture. Don't know, is it? Yeah, I suppose that was... I suppose that had a bit of drama to it, wasn't it? It wasn't pure comedy. Um, yeah, just for the listeners, at the end we will talk about our film podcast. So Scott and I have worked together quite a few times. Mm. And we talk about this um, Easy Riders Raging Bulls because it was actually a book by Peter Biskind. Yeah. And it was a time from roughly, I'd say it's from about Bonnie and Clyde to about Raging Bull. Or pr- I could be Heaven's Gate, I'd say. Heaven's that, Gate, 1980, yeah. We that always was the one, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, just this time of, sometimes they call it New Hollywood, Hollywood New yeah. Wave, where, like I say, the, it was the first sort of flush of film school graduates. Yeah, know, so basically, yeah. Spielberg, Coppola, Lucas, Scorsese, De Palma, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just uh, discovered Flick Chart. I'm sure some people listening have heard of that. Oh, you were telling me about this stuff. And I've actually managed to rank all my films. It's about 1,450. And uh, so many of the top 30 or 40, predictably enough. There goes the shark again. Again, looking realistic enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It's good when it's flowing through the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite seen. So. When it comes out of the water is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Notice the shore in the background. Can you see there? Yeah, they are yeah. very close, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do say that, that we're leading the shark into shore, don't they? I think he says it now. Yeah, yeah they go to the shallows, yeah. So they get away with it there, yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing amazing time for films, uh, you know. You know, I mean, I love... There we go, very close to shore, in fact. It's, it's, it was one of our favourite periods on the Stinking Balls podcast. You know, we, we kept going back to... Dog Day Afternoon, The Deer Hunter, you know, all of those great movies that, you know, really epitomise that 13, 14 year period. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's the same with music, you know, there's always great music and there's always great films being made somewhere. But I feel like the 80s was, you know, obviously the corporations in a sense took over, you know, politically, film wise. I, th- I think the 80s was where. The corporations took over the studios, didn't they? It was like, yeah. you know, Ted Turner and TNT and all that sort of stuff. And they, even this, to, to a certain extent, the beginning of this, it was a universal picture. It says an MCA company. You know, there was this, yeah. you know, takeovers, like corporate takeovers of the big studios. Yeah, well, that's the ironic thing about this. As we said, you know, guerrilla gonzo filmmaking, but it was the first summer blockbuster. But it's still overseen, wasn't it, by Zanuck and those guys, Zanuck and Brown. You know, they yeah. were still like at the heart of this. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't made by indie mm. filmmakers by any means. But it's got a certain spirit. But then yeah. it's ushered in 
it's um, kind of like Sergeant Pepper. You know, it's a, it's a, in its wake. There's all these. Sort oh of, yes, yeah. Im, you know, imitations of concept albums. And, and we haven't mentioned this is the first genuine summer blockbuster. Yeah. Which led to movies being released July the fourth weekend or whatever it may have been. Mm. And it's a tradition that has carried on ever since. Absolutely. It was also one of the first times that it was released to multiple scripts, multiple cinemas at the same yep. time, like hundreds of them. Yep. Yeah, so it's just a huge film in every way, really. So, yeah, we've just uh, been talking about other stuff because it was a. Well, I wouldn't even it. call it a lull, really, but it wasn't really. That but. wasn't a lull at all. That was the <laughs> no. pursuit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> so the shark starts following them, yeah. Yeah, we've lost the barrels now. It's okay. It's your turn, Mr. Hooper, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll try your, your newfangled <laughs> technology. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's three foot of water in the orca at the moment. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see what you've got. Yeah, this was cut out when I was saying when I watched it on ITV. Just these little bits. The one eye video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that as well, I remember I'd never seen that. Never seen the boat half sunk. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they had a second orca, didn't they? Yes, there was two boats, yeah. This was just after they got sunk, because Dreyfus said Robert Shaw started to dress very neatly, and I always noticed that. How neatly with his top button done up. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's because he thinks, you know, there is a chance I could die here, so I've got to look my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're really kind of getting to the climax. We've got two or three huge things about to happen here. <laughs> just, just when you thought you'd seen everything. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about... Has Quint got Quint on his jacket now? He has, hasn't he? Has he got him written on there? You see when his hand goes down there. There's something on Quint. his... Yeah. He's definitely got QU there. You got any better suggestions? So we get like another brilliant musical part here. So they're setting the cage up. Like a little montage sequence almost. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah like the equivalent of music videos. So he's basically yeah, just like trying to disguise the passage of time a little bit. Yeah. But as we said earlier, I always notice this Brody kind of knows what to do now. He knows how to set the cage up. Yeah, so I'm part of this team. Now. It's three of us now. That's the thing. Yeah, he's got his top off there. For the ladies, <laughs> he's got his jeans on as well. He hasn't got his rubbers on anymore. <laughs> Here's a compressed air. Another bit of foreshadowing there. Hooper's got his wetsuit. Probably talk about the filming of this bit because this was. Well, it was filmed in Australia, wasn't it? The um, mm. the cage sequence and <laughs> unbelievably, or well, probably not unbelievably, but the, what, did they use a midget? To, uh, yeah, in the Carl place Rizzo, who was a jockey. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually have um, they actually have um, a model for some of them, like a yeah. little doll. Yeah. For some of them, obviously, to accentuate the shark, they had this guy Carl Rizzo, and they said, "Oh, would you mind going into the?" in a cage with a massive shark and he's like well I'm actually I'm a jockey <laughs> I don't like the water um, have you seen Blue Water White Death 
guess a long time ago. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah, recommendation yeah. for the listeners. Yeah, there. proper proper um, vision of what actually goes on underwater. Yeah, that's oh, um, fantastic. But what actually happens here mm. genuinely happened, didn't it? There was a shark that attacked the cage and then gets caught up. Yeah. In in the rope mechanism. And then just goes mental. So they, presumably, I don't know if you know, was Hooper in t- supposed to die? Perhaps he was. Because he dies in the novel, doesn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because, like, they've got this footage that's been filmed halfway across the globe, you know, down in Australia. Yeah. And, and, and who's actually decided that, well, do you know what? Actually, he could get away from this because the cage has been, like, thrashed to pieces. Exactly. That's well, not, like that's not Richard were, Dreyfus, by the uh, way. No, you can see in the eyes in that. Yeah, actually, just about again, just about get away with it. If you're if you're watching it for the first time, you wouldn't notice, would you? Um, Let's see if we can talk through this. I mean, that is a is that a real shark? Let's have a look. That's not that one isn't. I'll tell you when no, it comes up. That's not Dreyfus that, either. That's a real shark. Yeah. There, there, that one. And it, you know, it does. They got the it's size not bad. pretty. It's yeah, not, it's not know, bad. Yeah. They got the size pretty good. That's a real shark again swimming there. away. Yeah, that's real. So when the shark attacks a cage, it goes absolutely mental. That's a real shark. Yeah, this is the footage. It was a, a husband and wife team, wasn't it? Like yeah, Ron and Valerie Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're led, they were in this blue water white death. That's where I knew them from, apart from this. Yeah. So again, it, it's almost like it all goes wrong. Like he, he, he gets rammed in a sec. Here we go. He loses some of his equipment. Yeah. Uh, this is funny. I think that's real as well. That's obviously real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that I think that's either Carl Rizzo or that was even the, the model they had. But yeah, brilliantly done. It's the magic of cinema, isn't it? Of one, it is. one shots in Australia, one shots in a in someone's uh, swimming pool. You know. I mean, as I get older, I'm a bit loath to like peek behind the curtain sometimes yeah. and find out how these things are made. Yeah. Um, this one I'm quite like open to like finding out because I love the film so much I'd love to know how that happened and how this came apart um, uh, how this came about and when you know it's not going to spoil it for you that's the thing yeah. <laughs> when the film's got enough of a reputation in your mind that's it and you've seen it so many times it really yeah. doesn't matter too much we always say the two things you should never see being prepared are sausages and government policy <laughs> and we could add uh, you know films to it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really they're taking a chance here because that shark has got very, very close. A bit unbelievable. That yeah, but what's him. real and what's not here? Hang on, it's, it's, it's very clever because I'm still trying to work out what's that's yeah, not. That's not. No. <laughs> and this is definitely the real. Sequence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that shark looks enormous. Yeah, that's probably a good eighteen feet. Probably His jaws is supposed to be twenty-five, not yeah. twenty. Twenty-three-five. I just thought Dreyfus's hair is even the wrong colour. <laughs> this is the real, there we go, this is the bit where it actually thrashes the, the cage apart. Yeah, and notice here, Brody's kind of bossing Quint about a bit. Well, I don't think Quint cares if um, <laughs> Dreyfus lives or dies, does he? You know, right. he's, he's had his chance, he, he got killed. That's Quint's what he's final thinking. words. Quint's final words, it's giving way. And there we go, that's the final bit of the real sequence there, and the sharp swings away, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's see if Quid looks upset. Because obviously they think Hooper. Quint doesn't look too bothered. Brody looks genuinely quite upset. Here we go. This is the bit I was quite surprised for a PG. That look that doesn't look too that bad. That didn't look too bad. The long shot's not so good, but that that looks okay. Yeah. Look at that, wow. As I say, as a, a ten and eleven year old boy watching this for the first time, mm. I was petrified, mate. Well there's a great quote. I'll get to it right at the very end, but there's a great quote from Spielberg about how they actually killed a shark. Mm. It's a brilliant outtakes of Robert Shaw here, eh? With a mouthful of blood. And... Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that scream. Oof. Is it for a PG? I don't know, that's pretty... Uh... Exactly, yeah. This, how did they get away with a PG? That's shocking. Yeah. Another blood in a minute, if you watch. That's screaming, I mean, that's real. Uh... <laughs> that's pretty authentic. <laughs> Not to say that that happened. But. So now we've got the, you know, the, the huge irony in a way. We've got the the aquaphobia, aquaphobic guy who's com- who was completely out of his depth and he's the only one left now. Because he's the everyman at the end of the day, isn't he? And this thing, he's, he's, he's very near to shore. Okay, so there's no reason for this shark to be attacking because he's eaten twice, apparently. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, why is it still hungry? Yeah. I don't know, do sharks ever get full up? Who knows? <laughs> it's the whole revenge thing that you mentioned in Jaws 4. Who knows? It's just a, a psychopathic shark. Oh, God. You wonder how those films get made, though. <laughs> <laughs> how could anyone actually... Do you think an audience would believe that a shark you, would, you, would no, travel there's... from America to the Caribbean? I mean, there's suspension of disbelief. But, but even this, you know, you get so caught up in it. Yeah. You are willing to, like, not even take notice of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, yeah. What I love as well. Watch Brody when he suddenly smiles when he's yeah. he's like, I'm up for this. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, Roy Scheider's so good. I would have at least have nominated him in a Just World. <laughs> I always thought, is that what's that underneath? Can, that looks like a shark under there, yeah, but it no, can't be. Floating debris or something. Right, right, right. And then we see the shark emerge with presumably pieces of quint. You know. There's a compressed air tank. That flesh doesn't look very real, but anyway, <laughs> we'll let them off. <laughs> but yeah, you've just got the, you know, you've got the everyman, who's Brody. And of course this end is just wonderful. Yeah, and Jaws 4, they intercut, didn't they? Jaws 4, they, they give the shark an electric shock or something. That's it, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Look at that well, fin there. Well, it gets electrocuted as well, doesn't it? Oh, that's Jaws 2, yeah, two, sorry. Yeah, There's some sort of weird sonar machine they use. Anyway, I'm going to... Let's not talk about Jaws 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a fantastic ending. The music. One-on-one, oh, one. man against beasts. Yeah. Look at that. Now, I don't know what the reaction would have been at the cinema mm. in 1975. I love it. But I know that 
the eight people that were sitting in my front room when we watched this on the TV in the early 80s, we cheered. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like Rocky, isn't yeah, it? I, we I remember seeing Rocky screamed. 4. It was, yeah. Honestly, even my mum. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this music, I love this music. And here comes the sound effect. So that was used in Jewel and it came from, it's not King Kong, oh dear, which one? Godzilla. Oh, came, from, okay. came from Godzilla they used it in Jewel and they used it in Jaws because he realised that Jaws was kind of a parallel yeah, yeah, yeah. A parallel yeah exactly and and Hooper's not dead yeah and the way they the way they laugh at each other and then he says Quint and they oh I love it so good And a quick question. Is there no chance that there would have been real sharks when they're filming in the southern Atlantic? Surely, like, I don't, warm water. I doubt it would have been a minimal risk. I think so, yeah. don't know. Yeah. Oh, this bit is so good. Got it. Just pitching it perfectly. And thank God they didn't have Quint popping out of the water. You mentioned that. I'm not dead. Or yeah. coming out like Ben Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, we've reached the end. Um, what we're going to do now, uh, for listeners who uh, have been following along with the film, you can leave us now. We won't mind. We won't get offended. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, our commentary up to this point. As the credits are coming up, in case you are going to leave us, we're just going to talk quickly about our podcast. So I've got three, in fact, but uh, the, the relevant one is Film Gold. So, Scott, just tell us about your two film podcasts. Uh, probably the most relevant one will be Stinking Paws, mm-hmm. which covers any other movie, everything, you know, Hollywood's golden age right through up to mm. yeah, modern age. Real Britannia, which is a British movie podcast, R-E-E-L, Britannia. Mm. Uh Paul's going for about eight years, Robert Tanya about four years. Yep. Um and others that we're not gonna mention at the moment, but then obviously there's Anthony's podcast as well. Yeah, Film Gold and then I've got one called Glass Onion on John Lennon. Not exactly relevant, but hey. Put it out there. Your stinking pause, P A U S E. Yes, yeah. We'll put everything words. we'll put everything in the show notes or the yeah. description box. But what we're gonna do, literally the credits are finishing now. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to say thanks for everyone who's followed along this far. And if you want to stick with us, I think we've probably got another 15, 20 minutes in us just chatting about stuff we've missed, basically, mate, didn't you? Yeah, and a few things that tie in with the films that we've got here. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, I never noticed you actually see, obviously, Brody and Hooper. They're just appearing there. Oh, yeah. No, that was always I a big thing why I missed for me, it. watching them appear. Yeah, <laughs> always a big thing. Great music. Love the opening, uh, the closing credits. So, yeah, yeah. thanks, everyone. And... Um, See you later, or see you in a minute. All right, so a bit of extra here. We're just going to go through some things related to the film. So, uh, books. To be honest, I think we've already mentioned the novel, haven't we? And uh, the Jaws log. I've I've reread the novel recently, very Mm. recently in the last year. Mm. And yes, it's a page turner. It's exactly what. It was set out to be. Benjamin wrote it quite quickly, yeah. And it just, you know, struck gold with being this summer blockbuster of like a pulp page-turning novel. 
mm. in the mid-70s that everybody had a copy of. And of course, when you get something that is that popular in the written word, there's going to be a movie adaptation of it somewhere along the line. It still happens today. Sure. But looking back on it, having reread it, as I say, in the last 12 months... It's not great. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Spoilers. Uh, don't listen if you don't haven't read the book. But uh, Quinn gets sort of tangled up in a rope. Is it? I must say, there's it, a lot of differences. Actually, there is quite. A, you know, we haven't mentioned the differences between the novel and the yeah uh, and the film. I think we mentioned so Hooper and Ellen Brody have an affair. I would say the the novels. It's got a bit more. I was going to say almost going to say a bit more bite. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> bit more edge. You got this mafia element. You know, because this, what we've just been watching and mm. commenting on, it's just a great yarn in a way. It's yeah. an action adventure story mm. with some horror elements and some psychological elements. But, um, yeah, so Brody finds out, Brody and Hooper basically hate each other. Yep. Hooper dies. But then the end of it, essentially the shark just sort of runs out of steam and <laughs> just kind of, uh, what happens? It, just as it's about to attack Brody, kind of just expires. It's, it's not your typical Hollywood ending, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The the thing I was going to say about the um, the compressed air tank. I think Benchley said to Spielberg, "That's ridiculous. A shark would bite down." And, and yeah. Spielberg said, "If I've got them for two hours, they're going to believe it. They're going to the believe it. Seconds. That's it." Yeah. Very famous quote from him. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So it's suspension of disbelief. Yeah. As we were saying, you know, if you, if you want real life, you know, <laughs> why are you going into a dark room watching a film? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. So yeah, books really. Yeah, the Jaws log, as we said earlier, highly recommended. Definitely the. Bible. You've got a couple of other ones. Um, Antonia Quirk is that her name? I'm just looking here. And Nigel Andrews on Jaws. I had a flick through that. Yeah, there's, there's a BFI one there, and it, yeah, mm. I mean, there's there's loads of stuff out there. I haven't got half of the stuff that's available at all, but mm. the Jaws log is definitely the one that people turn to because mm. Cole Gottlieb was there. Yeah. You know. It, it depends how in depth you want to go, knowing the history. I, I want to go very in depth. Yeah, <laughs> but the other stuff. I mean, I've just got a few books there. I mean, I've got one on the the Indianapolis, and then there was, you know, there, there's talk. This was based on a real life event that happened in 1914, 15, whatever, yeah, wasn't it, on New Jersey, Long Island or New Jersey? Yeah, sure. You know, it's, it's, it's all relevant if you, you go into the the history of the the movie as much as we do, you know. Absolutely, yeah. How obsessive can one person be, you know? Well, that's the great thing with these things. When you're into something, everything connected with it becomes interesting to you. The Indianapolis so story is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is a podcast yeah. I like. He did one about that. Yeah. He has like a sort of addendum series. So going uh, seamlessly from the, the Jaws log into um, documentaries, so, wow, we've got a lot going on here. So... The first one really to mention is the one that was on the DVD. There's a cut version, but the, the real one's two hours. Yeah. 1995, there's a fellow called Laurent Bouzereau who um, got himself a gig doing making of. It seemed like every film that went out on DVD. <laughs> but this two-hour documentary, I don't want to spoil too much of it because it's so recommended. It's, you get all the Dreyfus stories, you get all the stories of the film. That's the one that really kicked it all off, but then you get yeah. the BBC one. Yeah, in uh, the teeth of jaws. In the teeth of jaws, and you get the shark is still working. That's right, as well. But yeah. we cannot recommend highly enough the filmumentary. You've got to dig a little bit to find it. Yeah, it's just if if you know a bit about jaws, it's just that just added little punch, isn't Absolutely. it? To it, you know. Yeah, Jamie Benning. Yeah, 
can't recommend and he does Star Wars he does Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple of other movies as well so definitely worth seeking out filmumentary yeah. yeah and then that BBC one in the teeth of Jaws quite similar to the Bruiserow but you've got very similar you've got some great stories mm. about um, yeah with Robert Shaw's drinking they would get people to someone would go with him for the first five drinks and try and match him and then when they were on the floor <laughs> they, they do like a tag else. team yeah they do like a tag <laughs> team to keep up with Robert Shaw so that's great I wanted to mention on YouTube there's a fantastic channel called Recut WTM and it's Jaws Recut and it's not so much Recut trailers because I'm sure you've seen uh, you know people have done trailers of taxi drivers or oh they do, they do a lot <laughs> Travis is a single man in the city looking for love <laughs> and there's one called Shining which is the Shining as a father and son bonding yeah, story and you've got one, yeah. Rocky and Apollo as a gay story and all that kind of thing <laughs> but this guy has made these ones which are like they're just like little stories and it's it, it tends to always be the second half Brody Quinton Hooper on the boat yeah Everything he takes is from the film. He hasn't added any. Oh any god, footage. no! He's, he's real footage. Yeah, yeah. So there's one that's called Hooper is drunk and useless, and it's, <laughs> it's something whereby Hooper's drinking quince apricot brandy, and he's completely hammered. <laughs> and it's just so brilliant the way they do it. There's there's one called um, Nobody Listens to Quint's Tale. So you, you see Quint doing the Indianapolis. And by cleverly using shots of Brody and Hooper and just not listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be going asked to listen on to and on. Yeah, yeah. Quint's going on and on. They're like, oh, yeah. Very funny. What was the other thing? Um, yeah, the sequels. I think we've uh, we've talked about Jaws 2. We'd say that's okay. Jaws 2 is passable. Because he's got Shider, yeah. of course. Yeah, he's, he's totally acceptable as a sequel. Mm. You can see why they did it. Okay, it's never going to reach the heights of the first one. It, it was just a done thing then, mm. you know. You get a box office success, people want to see more. Sure. But then when you get to Jaws 3, I think the selling point of that was the 3D of element course. of it, which is absolutely, absolutely pitiful, you know, yes. some of the stuff that goes on there. Yeah. And despite all its flaws of Jaws 4, for me personally, because Michael Caine's in it, you know, that yeah. lifts it up a notch. Yeah. And and I really totally ignore that whole, like, the shark is, like, you know, travelling from <laughs> half across, halfway across the world yeah, to, like, exact its revenge. Yeah. yeah. It's not a bad little movie when you ignore that part of it. Is it so know? bad it's good? It's one, even then, I don't think it's... I think people have just latched onto the fact that it's not a good movie. Right, right, yeah. right. It's got that reputation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the Jaws too. I think one podcast I was listening to said uh, they made a good move. They made the kids so annoying that you wanted them to be eaten. You wanted them to die, <laughs> yeah. No, but that's got enough of the magic. Again, I would have tried to get Richard Dreyfuss in, in on that. I think that would have worked well. Yeah. Actually, in Jaws 2, you get a bit more drama because Brody gets fired, and I like all that stuff. There's a great scene of him, again, he's drunk, doing some brilliant, like, understated drunk acting. And again, it's all to do with this, like, you know, the local council and all that, like, because we still see some of those characters Absolutely. come back. So there is this continuation or the continu- continuity going through. Sure. And in that respect, it is a genuine sequel, you know. Yeah. It does seem to work in that case. Sometimes you get sequels that are just sequels in name, you know, with yeah. no real link to what's gone on before, so... No, I'm quite happy with Jaws 2 as a sequel. Jaws 2 is reasonable, yeah. Jaws yeah. 3, Jaws 4, you know, eh, worth watching if you've never seen them, I suppose. I've got here 
ripoffs, or not always ripoffs, but inspired by. Definitely inspired by. I think we're going to go here. Yeah. yeah. What have we got? Um, Orca was the, Orca probably the Killer first Whale. one, wasn't it? Orca Killer Whale. Piranha was about seventy-eight, so that was fairly soon after. Yeah, that was Joe Dante, wasn't it? Joe, Joe Dante. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that for years, but I remember that was Ita- all right. Wasn't there an Italian one called like Great White or something? I think it had like Franco Nero or somebody in it, and it was dubbed into you know English afterwards. There's, there's loads of them. There's so many. Yeah, there's Alligator as well. Alligator with Robert Forster. That was 1980. That's a later entry. Yeah, one. Yeah, they flush like the baby alligator. Down yeah, the well, that's, that's in also, the sewers. It gets fattened yeah, up, doesn't it? Also based on the true story because there oh, was like rumours that alligators were living in New York sewers. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. I think it's a famous Hill Street Blues episode where that happens as well. Um, what's the one with Samuel L. Jackson that I haven't seen? Oh, Deep Blue Sea, Deep Blue sea which is a recent sequel, actually. Is that any good? It's only good for there's one shock moment, like an unexpected death. Okay. So it's the very early era of CGI after Jurassic Park. Right, right. So they use the fact that they've got this technology to create more realistic sharks, so to speak. It's okay, LL Cool J's in it, you know, it's just a really bizarre little snapshot of a, a, a shark movie from early 90s, I think it was, I can't even remember, no, early 2000s. I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. One of the podcasts we did, I can't remember what film we were talking about, we were talking, I think we were comparing like the Night to Remember and Titanic. <laughs> yeah. And we were saying that um, Titanic had the advantage of the technology, but we think there's like a happy medium. Is that like the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. Of realism and, and CGI. So if we could get that you know, that perfect combination of yeah. the two. Yeah. I um, think we're quite pleased Jaws hasn't been remade, are we? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there was talk on the twentieth anniversary or the tw- it was just after Jurassic Park came out, so it might be That would have been twentieth. Yeah. yeah. And they thought, Oh, we've got this technology now. Yeah. Let's CGI a shark over Bruce. And Happily, that you know got knocked down quite quickly. You know, I mean, call me a purist, but what we've just watched, I mean, it, it, it's not perfect in the sense that you can nitpick, but it's perfect in one sense. It's, it's a perfect, perfect action, it's perfect action yeah. adventure story, yeah. absolutely perfect. Insanely. All right, and then the, the only other thing was deleted scenes. So, I think we've already mentioned a couple of these. Are there any that you think should or could have been in the film? Or? I've got a favorite, go on. Which is the piano wire. Oh, yeah, tell us about so, that, because we mentioned that. But and this us. must have been designed to have been inserted just before Quint turns up at the council meeting and scrapes his fingernails down the blackboard. Yeah. And we see him pull up in a truck mm-hmm. and he goes into the music store and there's this poor little kid trying to play a clarinet. Yeah. And I think it's Ode to Joy. Yeah. She's <laughs> in one of the Beatles films, yeah. isn't it? And he's a regular customer there and he goes in and he gets his piano wire and he's like, you know, if that was inserted in the film, you'd be thinking, well, why is that buy- guy buying mm. piano wire? Mm. And then it becomes obvious that that's what he uses to, you know, put on the fishing reels. I'd have loved for that to have been still there, but, you know, if you look at the documentaries, there's alternative cuts of certain scenes. You look at, like, the photos that were taken on set, and you think, oh, was that included before? I mean, one of the big ones that wasn't included was when the guy in the pool... Or, or the pond, as they call the it, pond, gets, yeah. his, gets his leg bitten off. Yeah, there's a scene of him actually being taken in the jaws of the shark and, and pulled under the water. You know, carrying Brody's carrying, son. yeah, carrying Brody's son. So we don't yeah. actually see that. But as we said, two hours four minutes. How much of a movie do you want? 
Yeah. We've got a perfect movie for me. I think so, yeah. 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 Perfect in, in what it is, mm. you know. I think the piano wire, I think if that had come before the, the blackboard, sorry for me saying so, so obvious, but the impact of the blackboard, you know, As the I fingers said, on the blackboard, like you said, it just wouldn't have been the same, so... Yeah, without that, he's the perfect introduction to a character. He's one of my favourite introductions of a movie character ever. Yeah, I think what you could have done, this is, I don't know if it was a trope then, or it's certainly a trope now, you could have had the bit where you see his van and perhaps see him, a back shot of him walking in. That yeah. might have worked, with yeah. his little helper. Yeah. Because you're not seeing his face. I think it's just this air of mystery, you know, you've got this really mm. great introduction of like, Hang on a minute, who's this guy? Where yeah. is he? Because we've had no indication of him up to that point. Right. And it's like, yeah, that, mate, that's Robert Shaw. That's great. Yeah. You know? no, nah, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. And of course, he was hot then, wasn't he? Because of the sting. And, and I suppose Pen 1, 2, 3 yeah. wasn't a big film, but although I love it, but Sting yeah. was a huge film. Yeah. Sonic Brown. All right, final thing before I let you go, let us go, let the audience go. Is there any. Uh, Meaning? Is there anything we can take from Jaws? Does it teach us anything? Uh, it just teaches us that, you know, despite all the pressures and the, the problems that life may throw upon you, you can still come up with something absolutely amazing. But you can it, rise above yourself, let's Exactly, say. And, and if you learn to adapt. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm convinced to this day, that that is not the movie that Spielberg intended to make. Oh, sure, I don't think so. I think nature and fate stepped in yeah. with the fact that the mechanical shark didn't work and all these problems that are quite well documented. Sure. I think that Spielberg's original vision was completely different and if he probably stuck to it, might not have become what we've got now and I don't think he would have you know, progressed to being the director we know and loved yeah very possibly not yeah I think it would have been a good monster film would but it been, wouldn't it have, have that it would have been one of those 70s oh it's that shark film from the 70s yeah. oh it's, it's that Michael Caine disaster movie with the bees you know it's one yeah. of those it would just be tucked away amongst that lot I um, forgot about that would we say the, the swarm the swarm was inspired by <laughs> I mean that is terrible if you try and defend that then uh, <laughs> But that's what I'm thinking, it would get tucked away amongst those sort of disaster movies almost. Oh yeah, I suppose, yeah. Towering Inferno and all those. Yep. Yeah. But um yeah, massive rec- recommendation of the film Duel, if any, no people haven't Great seen film. that. Great film. Really good. Yeah. And that's like only an hour. I think it's an hour, an hour, hour ten. Hour fifteen, I think hour 15, it was right. you know, T V movie with adverts, you know, so yeah, cut down to around fifteen or so. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know, the famous line which was Roy Scheider's line, yeah, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Carl Gottlieb said it's sort of a, a metaphor for the in, insurmountable problems, but I think really that although the shark is is in some ways the main character, I think the Brody story, the Everyman story, out of his depth, adapting to his surroundings, I think it, it's actually quite inspiring. It's my favourite part of the film when I look yeah. back at it now, yeah. and, and, and yeah. it does play a central part of the whole story. And I'm upset he didn't get an Oscar nomination, but he does. <laughs> I don't want to end on the next (laughs) (laughs) Great movie. If you haven't seen it, bloody watch it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this, everybody, if you've uh, stuck with us on this extra part. And um, just one more time, our our film podcast, mine is Film Gold, and Scott's are The Stinking Paws, P-A-U-S-E, and Real, R-W-L, Britannia. So, uh, final thank you to... Scott. Yep, cheers, mate. Thanks. Absolutely fantastic afternoon. Loved it. All right. And we may well do audio commentaries in the future. So, 
all the best from us and goodbye. Cheers, bye.